0: yeah man says,
1: let's rock it it says ready it says ready i think we're live i think we're on i might as well just say the date and the time like like right here it's may 27th 2022 p.m eastern 504 pacific out here in santa cruz california this is what michael michael what what, what show are you watching here This is Michael Anthony right here, and you are watching exclusively Van Halen on the Johnny Bean TV. Keep it there. thank you so much thank you everybody welcome this is exclusively van halen yeah the weekly evh show it's almost a daily show now i'm I'm doing these shows pretty much every every day sometimes all day (laughs) who knows this might be the 20-hour marathon finally but uh hey welcome everybody and I already said the date and the time, so you guys know exactly where we are. And uh let's let's say hello first first off to the executive producers, the top tier of channel members here on Johnny Bean TV, here on YouTube. They are there we go. Dave Ennis, Vinyl Freak, Fifty One Fifty, Mike Niece, Music Therapy Laz, Majestic, P. B. and J. Cat, Waino, Stevo, Fifty One Fifty, False Flag, Sherman Callahan, Andy Carson, Michael B. R. Habs, Warlag, The Chad, Lawrence Christensen, Lenny Lou, and Mary, James Gum, John Moronic, Paul Martin Woods, Stephen Franklin, Fabulous Disaster, Michael Smith, The Captain. Thomas Santiago, Joe Christian, Jim Ray Hawkins, David Allen Wright, and Steve Carmichael. That's where you say Steve Carmichael. Steve Carmichael. <laughs> Steve Carmichael. <laughs> That's a top tier of channel membership here on Johnny Bean TV. If, if you'd like to become a channel member, click that join button right below the 21 thumbs ups. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and if you'd like to help support the channel, support these shows, any Super Chats, we'll change the color of the lights in the guitar moire right back here. It's very, uh, very cool. It's the latest in guitar moire technology, whatever that means. I have no idea what that even is. Um, But we're also live on, where is it? On Facebook. Johnny Bean TV Facebook page, where we have Facebook stars, a digital gift helps in the production of these shows. And speaking of Facebook, our favorite, favorite uh, Facebook place, we're also live in my Van Halen uh, Facebook group, uh, exclusively Van Halen, just under 63,000 members, EVH Gear Live Facebook group and Facebook page, Johnny Bean TV Facebook group, and my personal page, hi grandma, and uh if anybody if you want to call in we'll take some calls 415-952-3263 make sure to connect connect with me on what's whatsapp for just an easier uh experience so so now the moment you've all been waiting for marty 5150 is here
0: yeah what's up man hey Hey, hey
1: doing? T- I'm doing great. I'm doing great, man. It's 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 great to see you again. Um, we we actually did like uh like a, a call what a few days ago, last week or something. Yeah, and on Sunday. It, on Sun, we did a two-hour call on Sunday. That could have been the show. And you were just saying something before we started. You're like, <laughs> we should just record that and and just play that. <laughs> play right. that. You'd be on the road right now. I'd be still in bed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Second time's
0: a charm, right, man? Well, oh,
1: this is great. Yeah, yeah. This, we'll... this, this, this is awesome. This is and, awesome. I, and
0: and we did. I did save some nuggets that we didn't talk about Sunday. So, right on. Yeah, we'll cover right. some stuff that we talked about, and uh, I've got some hidden gems that.
1: <laughs> right on. That's <laughs> yeah, man. Awesome, awesomes. Good.
0: Thanks for having me on, Johnny. Thank you. I've, I've watched your channel a lot. And, uh, you know, I've, I appreciate what you do for the community and the Van Halen word and,
1: uh, it's it's good to be on. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank thank you, man. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've been seeing, you know, seeing your videos and, and really, really digging what, what you're doing and, um, Uh, actually after we had already connected, like it's been like a a couple weeks or something. Yeah. Um, people started messaging me saying, Johnny, you, you know, you got to get on the show. (laughs) You got to get that guy, Marty 5150. And I'm like, ha ha already did. (laughs) (laughs) Beat you to it.
0: (laughs) Beat you to it. Yep. Yep. Um, That's cool. That's cool, man. So I appreciate people approaching you about it. So, so here we are. Here, we are, here, man. Here, it is. <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Here Hope it is. Hope we don't disappoint. <laughs> wow,
1: well, it's 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 not Tuesday. Um, but uh, let let's say hello to some people. We got we got some people in here. We have Mister Mick. We have Joe Hervey eighty four. We have R two R three Locking Nut. We have Mike Nice, Tim Thomas. We got Martin. Uh. Martin is here. Uh, let's see. I think that might be Claudier. Is that Claudier?
0: Claudier? Is that Claudier? French? Claudier? I don't know. I, I don't know.
1: know. Welcome, man.
0: He's got Martin sitting there. So we'll do, I, I like your name, man, Martin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> your mama chose well. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we got some new names in here. This is great. We got Kurt uh, <laughs> Mc... Is it Mc... Uh, one thing you'll, you'll learn during today's show is I can't read. I, I can't read it all. A round of uh, something. I don't know what that says, but thank you, man. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Robot Master Switch is, is here. We got Nelson Rodriguez. We got Facebook user, Johnny, looking good. Thank you so much. Oh, Jeff. We got Jeff over on Facebook in one of the Facebook groups. Cool. We, we got Eduardo Marino Porto, longtime viewer, longtime viewer of these shows. And uh, let's see, we got James G. and everybody, Janice. The Axe I was just watching your your uh, R D W video, "Running with the Devil." Yeah, I think yeah. that is cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. We got me talking about Facebook stars, all that stuff. So, hey, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. We got some cemetery. Uh, uh, f- hey <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Kevin Coachell. Welcome, you guys. And I probably should have said this a while back. If this is your first time here, make sure to subscribe to the channel. If you like Van Halen, this is this is Johnny Bean this TV. Is it. This is the place you want to be, but you also want to check out Marty Fifty One Fifty. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at this. I mean, look at these guitars. I brought uh, out the
0: arsenal today, Johnny. Hey, I wanted to say hi to my friend Brian. He's I saw him in the chat, and a longtime friend. I haven't seen him for years, but hey, Brian, thanks for for joining in tonight.
1: Hey, welcome, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, you guys. BK yeah. Sword out. <laughs> I'm I'm seeing a lot of new names here. This is great, Martin. Nice. He's very humble. Marty's lessons are the best. Dude. Woo! <laughs> I also love his old magazine reviews. Thank and you. Yes, my last name is French Canadian. There you yeah, go.
0: There you go, man. Right on.
1: <laughs> Look at this.
0: You know, those magazine reviews that I do, I, uh, there's a, uh, I think his name is, uh, What's his name? Nielsen, uh, first name can't think of. I want to say Brian Nielsen, but that's not it. Uh, he's got a, a Facebook or uh, YouTube channel where he does reviews of a bunch of Friedman stuff, and mm-hmm. he's he's great. And uh, and uh, he did a he does a couple reviews of old guitar for the practicing musicians, and does a lot of John Sykes uh, tablature stuff. And oh, I God. really his magazine stuff is very brief. He does it very minimally, and. And I love it so much. I thought, you know, I'm going to, there's nothing wrong with paying homage to something like that. And I, first couple ones that I did, I put his channel in the video. I wish I could, wish I could think of his name. If anybody knows what I'm talking about in the chat, please put it in there. But his uh, Nielsen, uh, drawn a blank, guys. So, anyway. I wanted to give a shout out to him and Michael uh, Nielsen. Michael
1: Nielsen, yeah, Michael Nielsen's a great guy. Michael,
0: yeah, yeah, he does them once in a while, um, and he's he's a great player and producer. Man, his his stuff on John Sykes is spot on, man. So if you like Sykes, check out Michael Nielsen's page. So good guy, awesome,
1: very cool. And and you never know who might be watching because John Sykes actually liked my Facebook page at one point. That's cool. So he could be looking at, he could be watching us right now. <laughs> but you know what? We're not going
0: to talk about John tonight. We're going to talk about the king. <laughs> We're going to talk about the king, right? Eddie.
1: <laughs> oh, every, every Friday. Every Friday we talk about Van Halen here.
0: You know, Johnny, I saw your show on OU 812 and uh, the, the fact that it's a uh, anniversary uh, of OU 812. What is it? Is it 35 years? 30 years? What was it? I forgot. I... Thirty-four? Thirty-four? Gosh, I feel old. Yeah. And uh you had said that was your first Van Halen show that you went to as a kid because you were too young to go to the other ones, right? And uh just couldn't I make wasn't it.
1: even I wasn't even a fan yet to go to the other ones. I when I okay. first got into Van Halen, well technically I got into Van Halen and because of Back to the Future because of you know, the yeah. the the cool riff on the cassette tape. Yeah. Um, and I bought, my first Van Halen record was 5150 in 1986. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't, I had no clue that, oh, they put out a record and then they go out and they play shows. I didn't know there was concerts. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, I had the record, yeah. thought it was great. Right. Bought Live Without a Net on VHS VHS tape. Yeah. And then it was after that I, I saw them. Yeah. I saw I, them.
0: I saw them in 88 for that tour, 89, I believe it was. And uh, I was a freshman at college. Almost it was. I saw him at Syracuse University. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. At, I didn't go to Syracuse, but um, I'm originally from upstate New York. I grew up near Ithaca, and uh, live in Nashville for the, for the, most of my life. But uh, I saw Sarah, the, at the Syracuse uh, Carrier Dome. Saw Van Halen, and uh, it was a great show. I mean, I could, I couldn't see 5150 because I was too young, right? And it was at Syracuse again, but uh, I bootlegged it on cassette. I brought a cassette recorder, and I've still got the bootleg of the OU812 show. <laughs> I remember I, it sounded like uh, so muffly between songs. It, 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 the Carrier Dome is a horrible place to see a show, right? And uh, it's just so boomy. And uh, back in the 80s, they didn't have the technology. It was just bring all the amps, turn everything up on 10. and mm-hmm. uh, But Sammy sounded like... Between songs, and you'd hear... And then uh, uh <laughs> and then you might make out
2: <laughs> or,
0: and they had yeah. it on the uh, they had it on the big screen and, and eddie's hand was like two seconds behind the audio because <laughs> it was such a big place and so echoey but, oh uh, wow yeah but it's cool i still have the ou812 tour shirt that i i uh bought that day and i i should have bought the ou812 bootleg shirt that the university kids were selling because they were orange it was Outside. for the syracuse orangeman yeah mm-hmm. and they they were selling those bootleg shirts and they looked so much cooler than the ou812 concert shirts <laughs> <laughs> and i was like how's that possible you know the van halen shirts weren't as cool as the orangeman shirts but probably those
1: syracuse shirts would have like washed out after like a week <laughs> That'd oh, been yeah. like kleenex right put it in the washer and you go to dry <laughs> it and it's not, even, it's like, where to go? <laughs> um, yeah, well here's, um, there, there's a, uh, a newspaper from the show that I was at. I showed this the other day and, uh, this is yeah. the Daily Nebraskan, November '88. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. There's a couple photos there from, from the first, my first Van Halen show, but mm-hmm. dude, what's re- what's really cool about, about you saying that you, you bootleg the show is that there's not many OE one two shows like live shows out there. Yeah, yeah. And and if you didn't share that, you know, if you haven't shared that, you're the only one with it. So, so I know. that's 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 a good um Yeah. I
0: should run it through my cassette deck and run it in the Pro Tools and uh clean it up a little bit, you know, maybe EQ it mm-hmm. and uh and uh, uh cut out all the the parts in it where I'm yelling like, hey, like you hear me right next to the microphone because I'm bootlegging it. And later on <laughs> you listen to it and you're like, uh, that's pretty rough. But <laughs> <laughs> I remember Eddie doing some kind of a chirping bird sound effect. And I posted that in my, on one of my videos the other day. And someone mentioned that they're like, yeah, Eddie did that all the time. And I, I never remember Eddie doing chirps. Like I heard he did squeals and animal noises, but I remember in on the OU 812 tour specifically, it, it was like he was going, but it didn't sound like that. I mean, it's legitimately sounded like, uh, you know, like a. he did mm-hmm. all kinds of different chirps with it. And it sounded like they were in a, in some kind of a, a bird sanctuary, but that was, and who knows that might've just been some kind of, modi was in for that week or that month you know how eddie would sometimes do something and he'd have a new gimmick or a trick that was cool and it was gone you know it was on to something else he he was he
1: was always building he was always building um a a collection of of sounds and and then you would hear some of that stuff um during songs you know you know in between you know before the chorus or maybe during a solo or something yeah but specifically when, when he would do his his standalone solo towards right night right you, right you would hear all that stuff
0: i think the uh, uh nothing can prepare you for the first van halen show when when you know the the lights the lights are about to go out and and you know you hear something like that you know and mm-hmm. he's he's just like and then he stops and everyone just screams and then and then you hear another
1: and
0: then uh your arm hair just raises up and then and then alex just and and you hear that (laughs) And then then they just hit the song, you know, they come out with whatever the opener was and you're just like, holy crap, man. And then you're, you're a fan for life. And nothing can duplicate that. You could listen back to the albums and and they sound great, but you have that Jonesing feeling in your soul where you're like that next Van Halen show. You're just like waiting for it. Um, Uh, Like, dude, there's that video of Eddie playing on Hollywood Boulevard before the Jimmy Fallon's show, and and, and you've probably Jimmy seen it, Kimmel. yeah, and mm-hmm. it's or the Jimmy Kimmel show, sorry, mm-hmm. and uh and uh he's warm, they're warming up, and Eddie's just out on 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 Hollywood Boulevard, just screaming harmonics, mm-hmm. at like two in the afternoon, and it's just like that's the sound. That's I think the guy in the video is like, holy you know f <laughs> and i'm like yeah man You see, then that dude's probably seen the shows a dozen times like us you know but it never got to miss
1: yeah, it i know i know and i'm i'm actually uh i guess i'm i'm kind of lucky cuz i got to uh, i got to watch that 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 performance live via periscope which is the old twitter um live app Um, I, I got to, some, some guy was there, I guess, while they were filming and he was just holding his phone up. And so I was like, just sitting here just watching the entire thing live as it was happening, you know, before it was on TV that night. Right. Right. Um, oh, and it was cool. It it was really (laughs) cool. And yeah. And then you, you talking about, um, you know, going to a Van Halen show. Well, first of all, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys about, um. My first show, November 5th, 1988, Bob Devaney Sports Center, Lincoln, Nebraska. I remember going to the merch uh, booth and basically buying one of everything. Like every, everything I had, I I, I bought. Because I, I was a huge Van Halen collector back then for, for a lot of years, a lot of years. Um, so I bought every T-shirt, but I would buy them in, in extra, extra, extra large thinking that's better. You know, even though I couldn't wear them, I would just buy them. Maybe because the 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 prints were bigger. The bigger yeah. the shirt, the bigger the, the print. And although I d- I do remember buying a couple shirts that my my size that I would wear. There was one that said 0812 and it had the four band members, not yeah. their faces, but it had like live shots taken. That's the one I got. Rock. Yeah, the pur- that's the all- black one with the purple that, yeah, that said Van Halen. I, I, it like went down. Yeah, that was the one that I was one.
0: disappointed in. I could should have bought the orange orangeman shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and that one shrunk on me. So but I And it said O eight
1: one two on the back. It had the world. It had the yeah. planet. It's an O eight one two across yep. it.
0: Yep. And yeah. the tour dates, I think.
1: Yeah. Yep. That was a cool shirt. That was cool. Um but yeah, man. Yeah, I I remember exactly sitting there and I, I I had the tour book. I was looking through the tour book and the tour book. See, you guys that that don't know, there was an 0812 tour after the Monsters of Rock tour. The Monsters of Rock was like the summer tour with Scorpions doc and Kingdom Come, you know, yeah. all those bands. Um but after that, they did a 45 day um tour in the winter for 0812. And the opening band was a band called Private Life, which was a band that actually Valerie Bertinelli discovered, and Edward and Ted Ted Templeman were producing their record.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I bought the cassette, man. I have that cassette somewhere. It was called Uh, Shadows,
1: I think. I can't remember. It
0: It was all right. I mean, it was... But, you know, I mean, bad timing, kind of.
1: It was, well, I mean the late 80s was, was was kind of uh you know there was definitely music was 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 changing by by that point but right. a couple of years later right. all that all that that stuff was gone you know yeah yeah um but i remember uh, the, the
0: album didn't really have any clinching like killer stuff it kind of reminded me of uh of uh who sang black velvet <laughs>
1: oh alana
0: miles alana miles it kind of reminded me of like something along that middle of the road
1: kind of not earthy bluesy but she had that one hit though black velvet that that was a huge
0: oh yeah 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 but i'm saying private life reminded me sort of like you know that it was very commercial and and rock based but it they just didn't have the they didn't have the hit man they didn't have that that, yeah. uh, yeah. but, well,
1: you know, but they were um, good.
0: They were a good end.
1: I thought they were good. I, I went out, I remember watching them open the show. And Sherman Callahan, thank you so much for all your support, man. Sherman Callahan, channel member here on Johnny Bean TV. I, I, I remember, I, you know, Johnny, I remember it being
0: in the winter time that, uh, I, I didn't realize what you just said, that it was a tour after Monsters of Rock, but, yeah, it, it was, uh, I think it was December or January in upstate New York when I went to see them and the weather did just about everything it could possibly do to prevent me from driving two hours to go see that show. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, I drove from Binghamton to Syracuse and, uh, it was, you know, it was worth it, <laughs> but it, we started early. And then after the show, it was even worse. We had to get back, but, We didn't care. We just were so stoked about the show afterwards. It was like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to a lot. It seems like all the metal shows I went to back in the day seemed like they were winter tours, like late summer and through the winter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of bands I remember seeing uh, back then. Uh, Kiss. I remember seeing Kiss with um, Winger. It was Winger, Kiss, and Vixen. I I went to that and I got to meet Winger earlier in the day. They did a, a record signing at one of the local record shops. Yeah, so I remember getting to meet them and I gave Red Beach some of my my guitar picks. I didn't ask him for his; I gave him mine, <laughs> <laughs> and he thought they were cool. That's cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. I saw every
0: every band every every C and B metal band of the eighties. Came through mm-hmm. Binghamton, New York, where I grew up, and around Ithaca, Binghamton area, and the Broome County Arena had uh, everybody from Kiss to Rat to Warrant, Poison, Doc Motley. Uh, you know, everybody came there, and but Van Halen was too big. They came to Syracuse, which was a couple hours away, and so you had to see them in the dome. Mm-hmm. So you know, and if you went to see Prince, it had to be the Carrier Dome. If you went to see Madonna, it was the Carrier Dome. You too, it was the carrier dome. But if you wanted to see Faster Pussycat open for Ace Freely and Rad, it was broom County Arena (laughs) and it was 18 (laughs) 18 bucks. General admission, get there early and get (laughs) squeezed up against the railing. (laughs) And I loved every second of it. Man, I saw David Lee Roth eat him and smile at that there. Um, when they opened or they played with Tesla, Tesla opened for oh, really? Yeah, then I saw a skyscraper and uh. I was like, "Where's Billy Sheehan?" <laughs> and then, uh, I saw, <laughs> then I saw, then I saw a little Lane enough there, and it was like, "Where?" <laughs> the whole band was different, man. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, I saw Dave a lot there. But yeah, anyway, Van Halen. I had to go to the carrier Dome. So back on the back on the boys. That's cool, <laughs> back That's on the cool man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry no, to digress no. on the metal stuff there. The old metal. But you oh, know my first my real quick my first show at Broom County Arena was Twisted Sister. I saw them. I was really young. I saw them for Stay Hungry. That was that's really what, oh, wow. it changed my life. Yeah, and they filmed the video for the price at Broom County Arena that night. And that video, when you find it, that's that's the show I was at. And Dee Dee Snyder oh, was awesome. They they a lot of people laugh about Twisted Sister, but I will tell you that they they were. uh they destroyed us. And I'm sure I was really impressed because that was my first show, real show, but mm-hmm. they were awesome. Twisted sister in that era, that generation were indestructible in the tri state, you know, upstate New York area. They they were bad, badass. Um uh, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. It That's was cool. Yeah, it was it was really phenomenal. So good shows, good memories, man. I'm glad we glad to be part of that uh generation. So
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, it's 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 wild, man, because you know, a lot a lot of uh you know, the generation now that, that are into that type of music, it's like, man, I wish I was they're all saying, I wish I was around then, you know? <laughs> right. I wish I was, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean those were the days where fractal didn't exist and helix and stuff and you went to see shows, man, and it was it was like 140 decibels and it was you would, real. You it was real. You would feel it so much in your chest. I mean, it was almost like it would almost make you sore the next day. Uh it was and deaf. And uh, deaf, man, it was uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, man, it was Cinderella, saw Cinderella on the uh, Heartbreak Station tour. And uh, dude, I mean, huh. that was a tour that should have been quiet because they had what sax. What year was that? That was like 92 or no, no, 90, I think 1990, 90, 91, 90. Yeah, it was early 90s. And uh, they had a saxophone player on stage and they had a uh, couple backup singers. Mm-hmm. So they needed to be blended. They needed to have balance. And uh, man, they, they peeled the paint off the wall. I was disappointed because, uh, I mean, I thought Heartbreak Station was a great album, but it was bluesy, but it was, uh, there was no control to some of those shows back in those days. They would just turn it up and, uh, but you know, Van Halen, but Van Halen never sounded that way. As many, many times as I've seen Van Halen play, Van Halen, I often describe it, especially during the foreign lawful carnal knowledge era in uh, balance those eras when he was using the music man and uh yeah. even even I saw the Van Halen three tour, which was really good. I saw that in Nashville i saw saw a lot of Van Halen shows in Nashville. It was like a warm wave of sound It was really loud, but it was it just like enveloped you and mm-hmm. you felt like in your warm, cozy Van Halen nest you're like turn it up louder please but but then you know you might go the next week to something else and you know see see whoever and you're like holy smokes man it's shrill and it's it's a totally different thing yeah totally different right right and uh so i never had that experience with van halen even though they were super loud i guess that's the the uh beauty of the brown sound right Mm-hmm. It's, it's not piercing. It's warm. Like it's a warm tone and,
1: and uh, it's, yeah, serves Van- its purpose. Van Halen shows were always, um, always, I, I mean, for all the shows that I was at, I mean, always sounded great. Right. Um, it was a great sound, but, but also I don't think, you know, so, I mean, some of that, you know, can also have to do with with when you see them on the tour, because you know when you're starting. When let's say you go to the first show, you know, there's a huge difference between the first show and the last show. Huge, huge difference as far as the the sound, yeah, the production, yeah. Just yeah, even even the band with with their stage show. Right, right. Yeah, no,
0: I um, we're moving all over the place, but I guess that's okay. If you don't mind me, yeah. you don't mind me taking like. Uh, twists and turns and stuff oh, right <laughs> throw,
1: throw throw them
0: at me i'm ready <laughs> i'm new to this man i don't know how to run you how to, how to work on your show you run it but um <laughs> uh, i'm taking over this is the marty 5150 show this is my guest johnny bean thank um, you
1: it's great to be here man <laughs>
0: thanks for showing up tonight man um hey so uh i saw the uh, ill-fated oh 04 reunion right I was and, there. Yeah. And you were talking about how the first shows in the last shows, there's a difference, right? And, oh, yeah, yeah. and, uh I knew from the get go, I'm like this, this may not make it past like five shows. Like I just had this gut feeling. Cause I, I'm like, I just don't have faith in, in this. And uh, Eddie had not been doing too good. And uh, some of the people on, in the chat may not even been around then or, or really young but you know eddie had a lot of demons and it was sad that time that era um i think us van halen fans were in uh denial <laughs> but uh i saw the second show i saw it in hershey pennsylvania uh the first huh. show i think was greensboro right i think greensboro green anyway
1: uh, john Bell. i don't yeah, know but, but yeah it was, it was greensville
0: sure. or greensboro it Was someone green something in south carolina or north carolina and I went to the second show and I'm like, well, it's kind of weird to go from the Carolinas to Hershey. So I, uh, I guess to, you know, just to fast forward, I mean, I bought the, uh, the, I love all access pass. Oh, no way. Yeah. And the I love all access pass. I think it was 400 bucks or 475. It was cheap. And nowadays you can't even get like, uh, you can't even get a, uh, a, a t-shirt and like a front row seat for under 1200 bucks or something for like a lot of bands, but mm-hmm. the I love all access pass included a seat in the front or second row guaranteed. They fed you. There was an open bar. They gave away gifts. You got a laminate. You got a um, free t-shirt. You got to go to sound check. The only thing you had to do was get there. And we got the Hershey at like uh overnight. We were there. We stayed the night. Uh, and the next day, we showed up at the park, and they let us in about noon, one o'clock. And and Sam wasn't on the stage; it was just the boys sound checking, mm-hmm. and uh, they sounded great. I mean, they were really they it even had a good sound. But you know, Eddie wasn't playing his best. I'm not going to try to bring anybody into a downer situation. I mean, he was he played great? But I think as the night went on, he drank, he was drinking a lot, right? but Eddie had a couple bottles of smoking loon wine on the stage at all times. And uh, his hair pulled up like a samurai and he had his cell phone under his his neck his whole time. And uh, during was, the sound check, during the sound check, he was walking around sound checking with his phone. And then he would put his phone down on his amp and he'd do something. Then he would do this. And, and uh, they sound checked a bunch oh. of old, they sound checked everything instrumentally. Cause Mike or Sammy wasn't there. And I asked, we were close enough where we could talk to him. And I asked Michael Anthony where Sammy Hagar was. And he said, he's, he's back at the hotel sleeping. he doesn't do sound checks. I was like, Oh, and then I yelled something to Alex and, and uh, Eddie said, Al can't hear you. He's deaf. Uh, And then Eddie was like, what do you guys want to hear? And so we yelled out like Romeo delight or something. And, he started playing it and then mikey's like i forgot it and they were laughing because like they like they hadn't practiced that stuff so we were like throwing them stuff uh and and, oh man and then uh and then they got awesome and then they got down on the ground where the between the barrier and the stage and uh they were all civil and uh alex gave away his drumsticks from soundcheck and michael anthony's bass tech came out and he must've gave away like 4,000 guitar picks, man. Michael Anthony's tech is like the coolest dude. Dugan. Yeah. And uh, Mikey gave away his picks and, and, uh, and uh, there was a kid who was there with his dad. This kid was like eight, seven years old, maybe. And he had painted a painting of Eddie, like a big 36 inch by 24 inch painting. It was framed Uh and he gave it to Eddie and Eddie was like, almost started to cry. And he looked at the painting And, uh, (laughs) he goes, Eddie said, man, he goes, everybody always wants something from me and never gives me anything. He wasn't being a jerk. He was just, you know, it was like everyone's always pulling at me kind of thing. It was, it was like a a real statement, but I mean, it could be misinterpreted, but he didn't mean it like a jerk. And he's like, he goes, I'm really touched. And, uh, it really touched him deep. You could tell. And, and eddie like turned around he's like looking for something to give this kid and his dad and he gave him he gave him an empty bottle of smoke loon. <laughs> <laughs> so the dad was like cool but i mean think about it man he got the smoke and loon bottle right and uh, i'll take such, it honest, honest to god is true story man we were supposed to be able to go on stage and look at their gear but they canceled that they didn't let us do that for some reason but they brought us backstage and They showed us where they get their, they showed us their garments, where they get their garments fixed. We met the garment Mm -hmm. fixing lady and we got to go in their sound (laughs) check. We got to go in their sound check rooms and uh, the person showing us all that stuff. I said, why don't they stay in the same rooms (laughs) or why don't they, why don't they warm up in the same rooms together? And he looked at me like, what are you new? you know? And I got, it's like, okay, yeah, they don't like each other. Like, like Sammy and Mike have their own room and Eddie and Al got their own room. And it was just across the hallway in the trailer. Uh-huh. And dude, they gave away a signed drum, uh, like a bass drum
1: and, uh, the drum heads. Yeah. They gave away those
0: and they gave away more shirts. And I got front row right in front of Mike. And, uh, Michael was getting, handing me picks during the night. He recognized you from, from soundcheck. And, uh, you know, Eddie had Sharpie marks on the back of his guitar neck to show where to play, like the dream solo and stuff like that. He had like the back of his Wolfgang neck was
1: had Sharpie all over the back of it, like lines, so yep. he could, see, so he could see his frets. That's true. I and, I remember uh, I remember seeing uh, actually it was for the first show. I think CNN was at the very first show and they actually did a segment. And during that segment, Eddie is talking to me shows the back of his guitar and there was, yeah. there was a there was Sharpie lines on the, on the back. Right. Right. Of all yeah. The frets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I mean, it was great. I went and saw him later on that tour and I saw him in Cincinnati and I saw him in Louisville and they were, they were awesome in Cincinnati and Louisville. They were really, really good. Mm-hmm. And they were, uh, it was later on in the tour. So it, it, but I know there was hit and miss nights on that tour. And, uh, the last thing I'll say, I just got to get this off my chest is, you know, and uh don't hate me anybody for this don't unsubscribe to my channel <laughs> but um Hang on. i i really uh <laughs> this is all me i i i no this isn't controversial but uh i really think that uh wolfgang deserves a lot of credit uh f- whatever you think about wolfgang i know his interactions with the fan base and stuff can be uh, some people take it the wrong way, but, but Eddie was in a really bad, uh, place mentally uh and emotionally. I mean, he had, he had had tongue cancer in the late nineties and he, you know, we heard found out about it during Van Halen three and we know Eddie's Eddie was a, a nervous guy. He is, is, uh, from interviews, Eddie was very, uh, he always said it didn't bother him and it didn't, it didn't worry. He didn't worry about competition, but he was always, you know, image meant a lot. He was, he drank a lot to kind of numb himself from the pressures of being (laughs) himself. And he was going through his divorce. He had his hips replaced. He was dealing with cancer. He lost his uh, singer, Sammy Hagar. He had an album that people didn't like with three. He had a failed reunion with David Lee Roth. Uh, his substance abuse leaked back in. And uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not making excuses for the guy, but he went through, I mean, divorce alone will do that to you. And uh carrying that kind of baggage and being a celebrity must be uh a tremendous amount of pressure, especially when that's all you know and that's all you do. And that's your mm-hmm. true love, that's your true passion and your true existence, meaning for life. And uh, back to Wolfgang, uh, you know, as he came of age, uh, Wolfgang didn't take Michael Anthony's job. Wolfgang got Van Halen back together. I mm-hmm. mean, Eddie, Eddie wasn't doing anything, man. Eddie was not doing a thing. And, um, and I't I love Mikey and Sam. They had to go do their own thing, and I can see why that would have hurt Eddie's uh, ego and and damaged him psychologically a little bit. But Wolfgang drug Eddie out of that pit. It was like, Dad, you need to play these songs. He did it for Wolfgang. So, I mean, Wolfgang was never trying to replace anybody. If you read the stories and you, and if if the stories are true. I can only go by what I've read and they seem to be Mm -hmm. very consistent Mm -hmm. and it sucks. I mean, it sucks that, that things didn't work out with the original members. I would love that. Right. But we would never have had those tours if it weren't for Wolfgang. And uh, he came up with the set lists. Yeah. And Wolfgang's a talent. And, uh, you know, we got a lot more out of Eddie. We even got an album, uh, out of it. Um, he was really heavily involved in that mm-hmm. so hopefully wolfgang will do the right thing and help bring that legacy to life and let us hear those songs they recorded that they never used because we know they're there but there's got to be hours and hours of stuff and if eddie's it was anything like me it's probably is unorganized <laughs> as it could possibly be so someone's physically got to go through that crap man not that it's crap but someone's got to sit there and go oh it's on this reel and then it's like 18 hours worth of stuff and sit through it there's a lot
1: there's like a there's a whole wall at at 5150 there with with all these tapes and the thing is those tapes they have to be baked in an oven To be able to to function. Right, right. Because they're they're crispy and they'll get ruined. But, you know, even more importantly, man, it's
0: like someone's got to sit there and listen to it. You just can't say to an intern, "Eh, go through these reels and see what you find. You got to have Wolfgang in there or Alex or you know, heck I'll do it. <laughs> or some, some of you in this chat, you know, let's get a petition going. We will go out there <laughs> and we will, we, we know what we're looking for. You know, we don't want somebody in there going, eh, this sounds like a song they should have recorded. And well, you know, the thing is
1: anything, every, anything I would hear on those tapes, I would love all of it.
0: You yeah. Know, it would yeah. all be
1: awesome. Um, But you got to
0: kind of, you got to kind of edit that stuff down. Right. I mean, there's gotta be eras and sections, but I mean, it would, it would be, I I love listening to those 1984 rehearsal tapes that leaked a while back where you hear Eddie and Al just working on for 30 minutes, working on like the girl gone bad lick. Oh, right. And you're like, you're like, dude, man, they, they legitimately sat there for 30 minutes working on this phrase. Because mm-hmm. that's all they did, man. That's what they weren't like thinking. Are you almost done with this lick, man? It's like, nah man, let's let's vibe on this. And and uh and then Don was lucky enough to go, okay, let's let's give it a shot. <laughs> let's put the mic. Can yeah. you guys cut it? And then lightning in a bottle, man. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to go back and listen to you know the fifty one fifty stuff. I wish Mick Jones did interviews like and would talk
1: about, you know, what was it like uh, He has. with? Him. I mean, he has, but not not to that extent, I don't think.
0: Yeah, he talks about himself, man. And like what he did, <laughs> he get the sound. It's like, no, dude, I want to know how much peanut butter did Eddie put on his sandwich for lunch before he plugged in to the Plexi? And what did he <laughs> eat for breakfast? And And tell me, you know, how close is the bathroom to the, rehearsal area
1: and uh did you we actually have a layout yeah in a a magazine we actually looked at it uh and by the way liquid charlie great to see you man he says he enjoys your channel do you know liquid charlie
0: yeah man thanks dude awesome dude i love your channel i (laughs) i um (laughs) that means a lot coming from you but uh man uh Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I I dig your tone, man, and and it's awesome. So thanks, dude.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but no, seriously, there is a layout. It was in some uh, recording magazine back in, I don't know, 85 or something, where it actually has the whole layout of the studio. Like, we were looking at it one Saturday night on one of the shows. Yeah. So I could, we could actually, (laughs) it it would actually tell you where the bathroom was and where the kitchen was and and all that, you know. But, I mean,
0: I, I nerd out on all that kind of stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. there's my cat. I told you he was gonna make an appearance. There his, you name, go. his name's Rufus. Rufus. Rufus, what are you doing? Rufus. <laughs> I I'm gonna tell you a story about him real quick. It's hilarious. But I like, will finish my thought on the 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 like the Mick Jones stuff. I mean Mick being a guitar player and uh
1: for those of you that you don't know, I mean he was with Foreigner, like you're you're all probably like,
0: duh, we know that. Um but well there was also
1: a Mick Jones with the Sex Pistols as well.
0: Uh, that's true. Yeah, it wasn't that guy. And I mean, I would really like to hear um, you know, how Eddie came up with his decisions on some of his guitar choices because Eddie really got um creative on all his records, and a lot of people think he just used this guy on his records and he didn't. You know, he would he would use 12 strings and he would use uh, you know, flying V's and he
1: would use he Steinberger would use guitar. Everything but that guitar that was like right. his live guitar
0: right right you know I think he did probably use it a little bit here and there early on maybe maybe but um, early I, on I, yeah I'd like to know I'd like to know you know what what but I mean it's probably some of that stuff's probably out there but um, mm-hmm. anyway I was going to tell you my cat makes an appearance in my videos because I have uh, this is a this is a guitar related, related story but I've got two dogs right and Dogs can't be around cat food because they'll eat the cat food, right? <laughs> so I've got, yeah. like, I've got, you can't see it on camera, but I've got an egg, like a, oh, here's my eggnator, my eggnator stack. I can't, right right is. here. Yeah. Well, there's a crevice, like, in between the eggnator and the Huesen Catner That's about this wide. And the cat uh, crawls through there. And I've got his cat food self-feeding bowl like behind my stacks so he he has to crawl through like a little a little cat food tunnel behind the, the amplifiers <laughs> and my dogs can't get to it because it's behind the amps yeah so um so anytime i'm shooting videos and my cat like walks through and he he like goes towards the amps <laughs> it's because he's he's eating and he's a fat lunch boy time. yeah he's got it. it's always lunchtime for roof dog man he's, <laughs> he doesn't care if i'm shooting videos or not he's like son i'm getting some food just follow the trail of ants I, uh, thankfully no ants uh, I, I, that might be a that
1: might be a concern later but uh yeah I've got cat food behind my hands <laughs> that's the tone that's the secret to the tone is the cat food yeah tender centers man tender, yeah perina <laughs> the perina pickup in that guitar
0: yeah man um yeah, dude. So, you know, I was going to tell you this, another thing, um, uh, mm-hmm. Van Halen related. You know, I live in Nashville and uh, I used to, I've owned, if, for those of you that have seen my channel, I've got an Ernie Ball Music Man, uh, a red one, and I've got one that's a natural color. And I used to have a black patent pending Wolfgang. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, like the real, like uh, the PV Wolfgangs uh the first ones that came out and uh i i brought the pv wolf gang and the ernie the red ernie ball to a gig on in uh, like 2002 to uh, a show in nashville with i had a, an original band at the time one of my original mm-hmm. bands and about uh midnight uh this dude walks up to me when i'm tearing down in this dark dingy garbage club called rich and amy's roadhouse on Dixon Dickerson Pike or Dixon Pike man this place was a dump but uh, hey it was a paying gig right so midnight I'm sitting yeah. there and this dude walks up to me and he's like uh, he's like hey man what do you like better the music man or the Peavy and I like the music man better nothing against people that own the Peavy but the music man is to me it's a better guitar and uh, yeah. I said man music man hands down he's like yeah dude that's the guitar right there. That's the better one. And I looked at him, and I said, and I recognized him, and uh, he had the little Van Halen gold chain around his neck, like the logo. And I said, "You're Zeke Clark." And he's like, he kind of like looked at me like, <laughs> How do you know? And I'm, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking because I'm crazy and I read like every magazine I've kept them all. And I've seen like interviews with you and I've seen you on stage before, like for the for unlawful Colonel knowledge tour. And I yelled your name and you looked around, but it was Zeke, right. And his, his curly hair and, and he was really starstruck and uh, his brother was with him. And his brother was really toasty at the time. Zeke was pretty toasty too. And uh, he says, he says, Hey man, how'd you like to play the real thing? And I was like, "Whoa." I was like, uh, what do you mean?" Yeah. Well, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, I do. What do you what, like what are you talking about, man? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, "Tear down, man. You can follow me back to my house." And I'm like, "All right." So he lived about maybe 5 or 6 miles from this place. And he had recently moved to Nashville cuz I guess he he lost his gig with Eddie, probably because all that stuff was going down you know, we talked about earlier, the Oh four tour. When was this? This was like 2001, maybe 2002. Hmm. 2000. It was, it was, uh, early 2001 probably. And, uh, uh, and he, he said he was, uh, teching for George Strait. He moved to Nashville. He wasn't working with Eddie. And now, now that I know, I look back and I go, Oh yeah, Eddie was going through substance problems. And, Van Halen 3 tanked and and uh he's in a bad spot, you know, it's before the reunion. So I know all that now, but that's I guess that's why Zeke left. Maybe he had a falling out. Who knows? I never really read into that. And I I, I followed Zeke. Zeke was driving a Jaguar and and uh you know, it's like I, I felt like I was following Batman through like the back hills of like a suburb of Nashville. And uh-huh. we get down, we get down to his house and his his like his uh garage door opens up and he pulls in and I'm thinking to my yeah, I'm thinking to myself, this I could be like killed and no one would even know.
1: And (laughs) but but, I'd be killed by by Zeke
0: Clark and it'd be awesome. But I'm like, it's Zeke Clark, it's safe. But this is really crazy. And I don't (laughs) I don't and I don't really I really don't care. And this is before, you know, you really had a lot of messaging capabilities on cell phones and stuff. And I couldn't really call or text anybody
1: to tell them what I was doing. You were dropping marshmallows on the way there, right?
0: I know, right? And I was in a part of town I really didn't know how to get out of, and I didn't have like Google Maps. You had like MapQuest; you had to print out on a printer to get to like your. Oh, I hated spectrum. that. You'd have yeah. to
1: drive around with all these sheets of paper. Yeah,
0: that was awful. Basically, when you're outside of Nashville, you just <laughs> kind of look for the skyline. When you finally see the skyline, you just kind of follow like yourself to the <laughs> till you get back to familiar territory. But mm-hmm. um, so I go into his garage and I like see all these. Like platinum records hanging up his stairs to go up to his house, like Led Zeppelin platinum records. I don't know how he got Zeppelin platinum records. I don't think he was that old to work on Led Zeppelin records, but you know, maybe, oh. maybe he got them through association through like maybe remastering or
1: who knows. But I get gifting him. a lot of times that they'll gift those things to people. Maybe he was teching for somebody,
0: yeah, at
1: one point they yeah. got them, you know,
0: and he had them all, dude. And he had like uh, Prince platinum records and, and, uh, we walk upstairs this place is pretty nice man and we i walk upstairs and he's got a les paul in a picture frame like a Les, a real les paul custom mm-hmm. and it says mary ford on the frets like in mm. perloid right inlays and it has a letter on it written to to somebody and he got that les paul it was mary ford's les paul and uh man and then I, I like go in his living room where his big screen was, which was like six feet deep because back then big screen TVs took up, like they're the size of an elephant. Yeah. So he, he plops me down in front of his big screen TV and we put in live without a net on VHS. And, uh, and uh, he, there's a Prince guitar there, a yellow Prince guitar with a symbol and a Kaler. And there's, a I can't drive 55 Washburn and Zeke making all this racket in the other rooms. I go to check on him and, He's got these two bedrooms with these princess beds. These big, tall—you know what a princess bed is, right? No. Princess beds are like you gotta like pole vault to get on top of them. They're like <laughs> they're like thirty-six inches high, and they got all this space underneath them. Well, he's got like he's got like stacks of guitar cases under these princess beds, and he pulls out all these cases, man. And they're the fifty-one-fifty tour guitars, man. And uh, oh my gosh! And he, and he opens them up. He's like, "Which one do you want to try, dude?" And I'm like, that one, you know, I picked the one with the most cigarette burns on it. And uh, <laughs> and he goes, he's like, I got 16 of these, or I got 15 of these, man. He goes, we made 16 for the 5150 tour, but one got stolen in Miami. When we went to eat dinner, we left it in Eddie's sanctuary, the little square thing where he put his, he goes, we came back and one was gone. But I got 15.
1: Oh my gosh. And uh fifteen one fifties.
0: Fifteen fifty 15, 51, 50s. right, right. And uh and uh dude they were uh oh my gosh, they were killer, dude. We sat down on his couch and those whammy bars were like they were so like this is a Floyd one thousand. There's no play in this at all. Those whammy bars were so jiggly. The action mm-hmm. was the action was kind of high. It wasn't like bad high, but it was kinda high up, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them were really well used, and some weren't. And uh, and uh, I mean, I was playing. I was playing like at the time. I was I didn't know how to play some of the riffs cro- correctly. And he's like, "Man, you're really good." He goes, "You play the songs differently than Eddie plays." He goes, "He plays like like I used to play fifty-one fifty down here." I used to go,
2: <laughs> "Whoops."
0: Like that, you know. I used to play it down in this position, uh-huh. and and Zeke was like, nah, man, he, he does it up here somewhere." And Zeke could kind of play, and so I I realized it. Was... But anyway, Zeke's comment yeah. what, Zeke's comment was, "You you're playing the songs. They sound right, but you're playing them wrong." <laughs> and and so that that was that made me realize. I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta like. Study these a little bit better, but uh, it was cool, man. He gave me a 5150 pick. He showed me all these pictures of him and Valerie and Ed sitting at the house, and uh, oh, and man. he lived in the guest house at the time. This is probably before they rebuilt the house in the studio, right? Obviously, and
1: uh, there's probably uh, 80. I don't know. I don't even know.
0: It was all through the '80s, like mid '80s to late '80s, up until about '91, I think, because he was on the he, Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge right here, he, right now tour.
1: He joined them. He he came along with Sammy Hagar. Oh, so, okay. So he joined. He joined '86. So he was there for '86, '88. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: he he said him and Ed were best friends. He says, dude, they he he. I talked to him about the guitar pickups and they, the guitar sounded uh, some of them sound a little different. And uh, he's like me and Eddie wound these pickups together. Like he wound pickups with, for Ed and I don't know if he was telling me a, a story or if that's true, but he said he would, him and Eddie would not that Eddie would wind the pickups, but he would like change the windings of mm-hmm. the pickups and, and as many wraps as, and, you know, and finally get it where Eddie was like, I like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. I,
1: I could, I could see, I could see him, uh, winding pickups for him. I mean, that, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, and, uh, and, I uh, I asked him, I was like, uh, well, he, he had all these, he didn't have all the 5150s there. He only had like eight of them. And he said that in the nineties, he, when the, the, he used to live in LA and the, the, the big earthquake destroyed his house that it crushed everything, oh, no. and there was like a tunnel that he could crawl underneath and get his stuff, but it was against the law to like salvage anything because mm-hmm. they were going to declare it like a national disaster, right? Mm-hmm. And you were forbidden to go back and get stuff because you are going to get like a check or something, the way I understand it. Hmm. And uh, the story he told me was, is he went back at like 2 a.m. and left his door open of his car and kind of crawled through this debris tunnel and would go get stuff guitars and stick it in his car in his platinum records his mountain bike oh, and then he'd go back to his house or his apartment where he was staying and then he'd come back and get it because he's like people were going to loot the stuff and he's like there's no way insurance was going to cover him for the value of what those guitars were worth right so right, he's like yeah. i had to save them and like i said he had the prince guitar the washburn he had all his platinum records he had 15 the, 150s uh, he had 15 of them dude and then he's like he goes, I, I gave him, I, he goes, I got the other ones at my mom's house in uh, Texas. He's like, that way, if something happens here, I don't have all my eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I left at 5 a.m. The sun was coming up and he's like, hey, dude, uh, don't tell anybody where I live. All right. And I was like, I was like, yeah, man, I won't. But I, truth be known, I was like, I don't know where I'm at. Like, I, I, I don't know where, where, You're I like, mean, can I, you drive
1: me up to the corner.
0: Right. Right. So it's like, I, I don't even know, like, I know approximately like the side of the town where he's at, he probably doesn't live there anymore. And I, and I, and, uh, I, you know, I'm going to wrap this story up with like a, a kind of a good closure, but. My friend Dion, who made my four paint scheme guitar, my Dion. friend Dion. he's my good yeah. buddy, Dion Edge, right? Mm-hmm. Dion, I, I think Dion works with Chip Ellis at EVH now for customizing EVHs. but Dion worked for years uh, with Gibson, and Dion is like, awesome. He's like a great great uh, builder and and uh, he gives me great deals on pickups and stuff. but Dion, I told Dion, I was like, dude, I met Z Clark and I played the 5150s. And uh, he didn't believe me, man. I went on like the VH
1: forums and like people were ragging on me, tell, oh, telling me like I was never full of crap. tell stories on those things because nobody will believe you. And all know. they'll do is give you crap.
0: I know. I know, I yeah. know. And, and uh, they were asking me questions and I like knew the answers. And so I just dropped it. I'm like, I don't care. I, I know the story. And Dion really kind of didn't believe me. <laughs> like, I could, he like, I think, I still think he believed me, man. And then um he was still working at Gibson at the time. He, he hasn't worked for Gibson for about three years, but but uh Dion gives me a call it uh this is like maybe like four years after that three years after that i hadn't really heard from him and he's like man you'll never guess you walked in the shop today <laughs> and uh, and i'm like who he's like "Z clark and i'm like well i'll be damned <laughs> i'm like do you believe me now man he's like yeah and he goes and he goes he was giving me the evil eye and i said why he goes because Dion would like after hours he'd work on his van halen stripe guitars and back in those days you couldn't buy that stuff it was before evh gear came out right before evh right which is like oh six or something and mm-hmm. uh you know i guess they were starting to patent all the stripes i mean you couldn't put anything with stripes on it on ebay nothing the lawyers would strike you
1: down and uh yeah and, you can't do any of that now especially now yeah. and that's, that's when it's
0: yeah and that's when it started to hit right and uh but no one really knew and I mean, heck, the internet really wasn't even that big back in the early 2000s, but um, it was kind of getting there, but uh, he was working on a Stripe guitar, and and, and Zeke was kind of like, uh, yeah, it's all right, you know. He kind of like, <laughs> he, he, he got mad, you know, because he didn't like the, he kind of felt like, you know, he was infringing on Eddie, which I can understand the loyalty, but long story short, I think Zeke and Dion are buddies now. Um, so, I mean, having... When you work for Gibson and you're in a pretty good position like that, you meet people. Now he texts for Guitar Center in Nashville, but um, he's really Mm. good there. You meet everybody. I mean, Dion got to meet Slash and tech for Slash when he did like those photo shoots at Gibson. Uh, Mm. Wow. Yeah, I know we're digressing, but Dion told me that Slash was the only person ever allowed to smoke in the Gibson Guitar Factory. Like he showed up one night. To do a photo shoot with some Gibsons, some Les Pauls. This was about eight years ago. And, uh, and, uh, Dion was in the bathroom and he hung out after work cause they needed a guy to detect to for slash. We needed like a cord or, you know, whatever, you know, and they needed the guitar guy. And, uh, Dion was like in the bathroom and slash was like, man, you know where I can find an ashtray? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Dion was like, uh, you know, you don't smoke at Gibson, but he's like, Yeah, man, hang on a minute. So he like went and got like a can or something and they set it down and he said that nobody no one said a word to him. And like for like two hours, Slash was working on like uh Slash's snake pit riffs and stuff like that. And he was showing Dion some like, check out this riff and so anyway, that's wow, that kind of went that cool. went all over the place. I hope you all are enjoying these uh, yeah these tall tales of uh, <laughs> very cool of stuff. They are. But this is my four very paint cool. scheme guitar. This is the one that Dion built for me.
1: Wait, so that's the one? Like we would see pictures all over Facebook. I mean, is that that guitar? Man,
0: you know, dude. I don't know. There's probably other people that have done this. Uh, uh, but uh, maybe so. I've I posted it before. And it mm-hmm. may have, someone might have grabbed it and put it somewhere. The the mm-hmm. back of it looks like this. And, uh, man, there's a, there's a guitar player named Johnny Highland and Nashville is a yeah. blind guy. This was his Floyd Rose. And, uh, and, uh, Steve, wow. I actually said, this was the, one of the best Floyd roses he's ever played. Um, I got a couple Steve Vai stories, but we don't have to talk about that um, maybe later. But uh, this is a great guitar, man. Um, I mean, it's not a Beretta because it doesn't have the angled pickup in it. So it's kind of like a 5150 Beretta because it's got a Beretta. I think this is a Beretta headstock, right? It's got a Beretta uh, truss rod cover, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's got a JB in, in it and a Floyd Rose uh, I guess it's a 1000. I don't, Did Floyd Rose? One thousands exist 20 years ago but,
1: yeah, uh, or
0: 18 years ago.
3: Maybe.
1: So did, you, did you ask for, for, for that? Like for that painting? For what uh, that is, or I did not. I lucked into this. Um,
0: back in those days, Dion would sell guitars, uh, pretty affordably uh you know 12 1300 bucks sorry to drop numbers if you're listening to dion or if you hear this later i think i paid 15 bones for this which was kind of high uh for you know that's a lot of money for any guitar but i was playing in a, a metal band called white leopard crew which was in atlanta and we did hair metal and dion knew i did that and i also did slippery when wet the ultimate bon jovi tribute band in atlanta i did that for many years and uh i needed i needed guitars to do uh that tribute show which was a lot like steel panther Mm -hmm. and uh jason knew ralph and steel panther and uh kind of stole that idea when steel panther was called metal school they were called metal shop then they went to metal school and they changed their name you know they changed it a lot back then when we were talking to them and we were white leopard crew so i i dion was like dude i got this guitar for you and He's like, it's all four paint schemes, man. I'm like, that's that's pretty neat. So I drove over to his house and I was like, Yeah, I'll take it. But I had um, I I originally like two years prior to that, I I told Dion I wanted a Frankenstein. And uh, he, he built he built me this Frankenstein. And it's got the, the the beak neck on it. And this was done before you could really take really there weren't like a lot of really good pictures of his stuff online. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty close. Uh, it's kind of thin. I don't know what body style this is, and uh it's not. Mm. This was early when he started. Excuse me. It was early when he started doing these. So this isn't. I'm not knocking it. I mean, it's a great guitar, but it's not anything like something you put out today. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, the the attention to detail. I mean, the the pickups not mounted to the body, and it's not angled, and and uh. But this is supposed to be like the '84, the 1984 Kramer that you see yeah. with the beat, the beak neck. That that's, I guess that's
1: that's really cool, man. Yeah, you you really don't see ver- very many of the of the '84 era. 83, well, technically '83, '84. Yeah. '85.
0: He screwed a quarter on it, you know. And I see a lot of guys
1: talking. I'll I'll bring it
0: closer to the computer, but you know, a lot of guys take that quarter. See the quarter on there. Mm -hmm. They, uh, you know, and I don't know, man, I, maybe Eddie put it like up higher at some point, but originally Eddie stuck the quarter under the Floyd because the Floyd was floating and he didn't, he wanted to touch the body so he he couldn't pull up on it. The guitar would go out of tune. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that was like a Rolling Stone interview or something where he was screwing that quarter into the body. And he, I think they were going to interview Black Sabbath or something, but. Eddie was available. I could be getting my stories wrong, but there's uh, it's something similar to that, but yeah. Eddie put the quarter under the Floyd Rose to keep it from bending sharp. Yeah. So I you know, I see these guitars though that people make and I've seen I've seen some of Eddie's guitars with a quarter away from the Floyd. So I'm like what's the deal with that, man? Was that just a good luck charm at that point? Or was that an or is uh, well, that another frankenstein
1: well, <laughs> on the that's another one on the original Frankenstein he had the quarter on there to keep the the bridge flush and right. then once once he didn't need once it was set up correctly and he didn't need it anymore he just scooted it over and and drilled it down so I it's, so, so it's still on the guitar, but there actually were um other Frankenstein guitars that were built for him. That had quarters on them as well that were just like drilled in. They had no actual function. They were just for looks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I I mean I've I've searched for that stuff, man. It's so hard to find things on Google now. There's so much bloat and so much garbage that when you try to like look up <laughs> the real stuff, um, all you get is like advertisements, you know. You try to research this stuff and it's like all these reverb listings of people trying to sell you the guitar, it's like I just want to find out where did the quarter come from, man. I'm not trying to buy yeah. something from Music Zoo in Colorado, or a D-Tuna. or
1: <laughs> I don't want to buy your quarter. You've pre-drilled for ten bucks for this guitar. <laughs> I want Some, to know that somebody the sent court. me one. Thank you again. Let <laughs> me just say hello to uh, to Alan, our friend Alan Garber is here. He says Tom Anderson repaired the Frankenstein and the quarter was moved out of the way. Oh, my friend my my actually my my buddy is the one that actually did that repair and he actually lives uh just a couple hours away and we we're, we're planning on doing a show at some point um from yeah. his place but he has the real story about the quarter and the Frankenstein and wow and the Tom Anderson net yeah. and all that i totally nerd out about that stuff man it's really
0: interesting oh, you know it's, I, it's not, awesome huh you know <laughs> yeah i meant to bring this up to you the other day when we were talking um mm-hmm. but a good if anybody, I don't know if anybody's bought the uh, Dweezil Zappa package, the fifty-one fifty package for his podcast. Have you heard about it, Johnny?
1: Uh, or, I know of his podcast, and actually, we had we had uh, a, a guest on the show uh-huh. uh, a few weeks ago who's actually good friends with Dweezil. And yeah, actually, has worked with him for years yeah. and years and years and years.
0: Well, I, I will honestly tell you, I mean, it takes forever for him to put out episodes, but in a way that's good cuz if you don't if you just binge listen to them then you'd be done with the fun in like a week mm-hmm. or less but mm-hmm. um, now there's about 12 episodes out uh of it and uh man it's I'm not trying to sell his podcast but it's $51.50 and the interviews are super long but you can buy them individually for like 2.99 each but there's a the Blue Saraceno one is hysterical they talk about the women and children first tour that he went to see and nuno Uh bettencourt nuno does a double episode about women and children first uh the paul gilbert one's cool hey
1: perfect timing
0: i know right there it is
1: but i mean they but they
0: they dweezil is a total like nerd like us probably worse and he talks about all kinds of little nuances that you hear. They, they go track by track, album by album. And the guest of the show gives their take on what's going on and what they felt like. Like, what was the first thing you did when you, where were you when you heard Mean Street? What did you think? You know, and mm-hmm. can, does anybody ever play that riff right? And they're like, no, you know, we always choke <laughs> on it. And, but it's, it's, it's really fun. And, and he puts a lot of love and effort into it. So if anybody wants to look for it, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to pitch something, No, but it's, but it's a great definitely. resource for Van Halen. He got a lot of flack about it when it came out. Cause it was right after Eddie passed. He had mm-hmm. had plans to put it out prior to that. It was just kind of bad timing. It looked like he was trying to grab money. I think during COVID it just looked, mm-hmm. I think it kind of looked that way, but it's not like that. Um, I doubt he makes really anything much off that. It's, it's really a labor of love. So, mm-hmm. um, but now if you get into it, you download them there, you don't have to wait like three months for each episode to come out. There's already a dozen of them in there. So they just did a Josie mm-hmm. Satriani double interview on for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. So balance is up next with somebody I forget who. So it's, it's cool, yeah, man.
1: That's, that's awesome. I'm going to have to, now that tr- I I really haven't heard any of them. Um, I kind of yeah. you know doing these shows, and I I run a pretty big Van Halen Facebook group and Instagram yeah. and everything, so I hear about the stuff. People are always telling me this stuff. Yeah, um, it's so good. I, kinda, I get the Cliff Notes on a lot of these things, but I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely going to have to have to listen to some of that. But.
0: Yeah, if you go onto the Apple Podcast or you know wherever you get podcasts, you can download like the, the Weasel Zappa. Mm -hmm. app and you get like Mm -hmm. the first three or four minutes of the interview you know and then they stop it and dweezil comes on like hey if you'd like to hear the rest of the interview go to com. you got to go and you know do the whole password and sign up and download it you can't Mm -hmm. get it on a podcast you gotta you gotta go there to get it but you you can check them out that way you can at least kind of see it for free and
1: that's a good idea hmm I'm getting some ideas here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Y'all treat yourself this Memorial day weekend and nerd out on the Nuno. the Nuno ones are funny uh, or good. The blue Saraceno one is (laughs) hysterical. He he talks about his parents bringing him to his first concert in a paper bag so they wouldn't have to pay for his ticket. And Dweezel's like, you went to your first concert in a paper bag. (laughs) And they had to stop. Like they laugh like for five no minutes. Paper.
1: How big how small was he? I don't,
0: I don't know, man. He was like in third grade or something. Like I mean, Dweezel asked all these questions like you're asking now.
1: Like like I need to know more about how tall this. were <laughs> I met him. I, I met um uh Blue Cerencino uh yeah. when I was a kid because he, he was doing a uh, a um uh clinic for Ibanez. I think I I think it was I or Washburn. It was uh uh-huh. What yeah. was it? Well, he had a Washburn. Maybe it was Washburn because I think, no, yeah. I think it's for Ibanez and later on he went to Washburn or something. I don't but know. But I remember going to the clinic and him running out on stage playing the guitar and just like, there was like balloons or something. He was like <laughs> popping balloons, <laughs> jumping around. And then I remember at the end, I remember I got like an autographed, I have his autograph still. And this was back in 1990. Yeah. But I remember running into him in the parking lot as we were leaving, like him and like maybe his dad or whoever was with him. They were leaving at the same time myself and my dad were leaving. So I got to, you know, say bye to him as he was leaving. That's cool. Um,
0: That's cool, man. But yeah, yeah. uh, but, uh, yeah, he went to his first (laughs) concert in a paper bag, but it's so funny. You feel like you're just hanging with like dudes and buddies. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I started laughing, man. It was, uh, but there's good, you know, they talk about a lot of lot of stuff on there, but they always get back to topic. <laughs> you know, they, they circle around a little bit. Nuno tells a good story about getting invited to a Van Halen rehearsal and them not telling them that's what they're going to do. And they walk in the back of, of this rehearsal room, and it was Van Halen rehearsing for uh, one of their reunion tours. And he walked in the back door, and he was like, it was right behind Eddie's amp. <laughs> And it was like super loud. He was like, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't expect this. And then you know, he got to talk to oh, Eddie.
1: Gosh,
0: yeah. I mean, there's some pretty cool stories in there about that stuff. Billy Corgan does one. Uh, Steve Vai, uh, you know, a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, Jennifer Batten does one. Hers is kind of weird. <laughs> but
1: uh, I I tried to get her on on this show one time. Uh, actually, I met her at the same place, the same venue where I met Blue Serencino. There was this one place in Lincoln, Nebraska. It was called the the Corn Husker. I don't. It was some bar, and that's where they had uh-huh. the, the the local music store, Dietz Music, had all these clinics. So I went. I met Jennifer Batten. I met Blue Serencino. I met Jeff Watson from Night Ranger, and I've got a crazy story about him. Um, but anyway, I she Jennifer Batten was doing some of these types of shows like a couple few years ago. So yeah. I, so I got in touch with her saying, "Hey, I'd like to invite you onto my show." But she's like she's like, "You know, I'm really burned out on doing these shows. I really don't want to do them anymore." Yeah. Um and then she started doing her own show.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's different, you know. <laughs> when you're in control. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, um <laughs> So anyway, I just promoted Dweezil Zappa, man. <laughs> hey, that's that's all good, man. That's but all you know, good. I, I'm gonna but, have to listen to those. But you know, he's a he's a plethora of Van Halen knowledge because I mean, he his dad had the hookup and invited uh, Eddie over to his house, and and mm-hmm. Eddie Eddie produced Dweezil's album, and Eddie plays guitar on a couple things on there, like a couple notes. I think he plays bass on uh, uh, on a Dweezil Uh uh-huh the first i have Uh the
1: the first dweezil uh single yeah was called um uh in the chat what was it called the beast the b-side was called uh it's called my mother's a space cadet yeah b-side is called crunchy water eddie produced the 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 45 but eddie played the intro to the song the intro is a slide guitar part and that's it yeah he talks about that
0: yep yeah, and if if Dweezil couldn't execute something, he would show Dweasel, he's like, "Hey, play it like this." You know, try this. He was a really hands-on producer. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Dweezil actually was doing uh, "Running with the Devil" at a talent show before he got to do his album. And and Eddie showed up at his high school, and he's like, "You're playing it wrong. You know, you got to play it like <laughs> play, play, play it like this because I want you to do good." And then Eddie went back home and and brought him his guitar, and he gave Dweezil his guitar. And Diesel still has that guitar that Eddie gave him for the talent show. So, That's I mean, awesome. talk about you know spoiled royalty kids in the, the, <laughs> California. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, Octopus
1: dad. Moon Unit was on that song too. She sang. She was actually the singer, one of the singers. Yeah. What about Amit? <laughs> Amit's a great oh. singer, man.
0: I think they all hate each other now, don't they? There's a big falling out. Between I, and his maybe product. yeah I, I think know. maybe they patched it up now but anyways it doesn't matter <laughs> I, I hope they're good hope everything is
1: yeah,
0: amicable and I hope they're making millions of dollars off of Frank's legacy because they deserve it I mean tough times man it, Frank it's was a,
1: it, it's a, a huge it, it's it's huge and hey Sharon Wild Dollar great, great to see you Marty's party yeah we're hanging out with Marty5150 Hey, having a great time. Um, I have to get something else to uh to uh to drink a little quickly. If you're okay, can you do you want to talk about that guitar real quick?
0: Yeah, sure. I'll talk about this guitar a little bit. I did a video on this recently. Um, for those of you that haven't seen my channel, but this, uh, Darren, uh, right before COVID, I started to make guitars and try to learn how to paint guitars and wire better just as a hobby and uh i bought a uh i bought a, a chinese 5150 kit online uh on ebay for like 200 bucks right and uh, i decided i painted it uh, brown first i stained it and i painted it purple and i it looked like a grape like uh barney <laughs> i didn't like it and so I, I finally decided to i was like what can I do with this 5150 guitar so i decided to pay homage to Sammy Hagar's OU eight one two guitar. I'm, a, I love all areas of Van Halen. I, I I love the the Roth and the Sammy Hagar years. But you know, growing up with the Sammy Hagar years, they're very. I'm very fond of those years. So I made this Sammy Hagar, uh, tribute. Sammy's got a similar uh, Kramer, uh, similar to this. So uh, I put an Ibanez edge tremolo on it that somebody gave me, and uh, uh it's. Bolt on neck clearly, it's just a 5150 kit. The back of it has the Cabo San Lucas stickers on it.
1: Uh oh, cool. You,
0: you probably can't tell, but uh it, it, it's got a fifth I can't drive 55 neck plate. It says I can't drive 55 yeah. 55 logo and uh my friend Dion from uh Eastwood Gibson <laughs> that we talked about earlier. Uh he's my hookup for pickups and my my favorite pickup is a Burst Bucker two, and I like four ninety eights also. But I I put a Burst Bucker uh, two in the bridge. <laughs>
1: Awesome, (laughs) right on. Yeah, so 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 that that's kind of so that's kind of a a tribute to the O eight one two Kramer guitar, right?
0: Yeah, yep. It it's totally is, and uh, you know Dion got me inspired to make guitars. I thought you know I could do that. I can. It can't be Mm -hmm. that hard. And uh, if you're a guitar player, you need to know how to do certain things like you don't need to, but I, I recommend you learn. Well, you got to know how to play. You got to learn how to tune, right. Uh, And be really critical about tone, but, uh, things I haven't mastered. If
1: you're going to be a guitar player, you really need to learn how to do this.
0: Right. Right. You know, the joke, the, the old joke is, is how many guitar players does it take to screw in a light bulb? Right. And it's, the answer is 10. One to do it and nine to say they could do it better than the other guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. So I just like the drummer. But <laughs> but uh, I started putting guitars together and uh each one of my guitars has a number on the back of the headstock, and this one says number fifteen. It was like the I made about fifteen guitars at this time. I've probably made about twenty four, twenty-five and uh you know, have fifteen
1: eight one twos?
0: No, 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 no. I've made <laughs> no dude. I make uh strats and t- I love telecasters. I love tellies and I and I dig strats, but um I would wind up selling them for cost, you know. If I if I built one for two, if it cost me 240 bucks after paint and lacquer and and parts, I would just sell it for that, you know, and I I gained the experience of doing it. And at least it wasn't costing mm-hmm. me anything. And uh mm-hmm. So I don't, I I mean, I get my money back out of them. So I've kept maybe four or five of the ones that I've made. Uh, You know, I kept this one, obviously. I don't have any of them around me right now that I've made. I've got a Diver Down, uh, a Diver Down uh, guitar, a Super Strat that I made. It's got the Diver Down logo. I thought I was being fancy and, like unique. Then I found out Kramer actually has a diver <laughs> down. So I'm, I'm probably going to strip the paint off of that one. Um, Wait, I did just, you
1: make that before you saw that they were making? before they were making Yeah. Them? Yeah. hundred really? percent. Yeah. I, I had
0: a, I had a, uh, I had a fender neck with a locking nut on it. And uh, that neck, the, the neck really didn't feel right on that body of that guitar. It wasn't cut right. So I, I wound up using that neck on a, on a, I bought a photo flame strap body. They used to make photo flame strats in the eighties right? where the they were fake flames, but they yep. were really, they're nice Japanese. They and looked bought, really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I bought me a red photo flame body and it came with a Floyd Rose. I uh, found that online cheap. And so I wound up putting that fender neck from my diver down guitar back on that, on that photo flame. Cause that photo flame strat would have had a locking nut fender neck. So now I'm in the market to buy me a, a banana, not banana, yeah, like a hockey stick or banana headstock for my diver down. But I think I'm gonna uh, redo the paint. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. I've got so you many should. Van Halen
1: guitars. I just want to do something normal. I think you should do it reverse, paint it white with a red stripe down down the middle. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's sitting in my closet without a neck. You know, it's got the pickups in it. It's got the Floyd. It's got the actually, it's got a Sterling. I think it's got a Sterling tremolo on it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not one of those kind of guitar people that I'm like, it's got to be, I mean, not to be like Eddie or or say I'm like Eddie, but I mean, Eddie was a man of like, make it work. Like he was MacGyver on guitar and I think he found Mm -hmm. a lot of his secrets due to like doing stuff wrong or just luck and then and then saying that worked and then destroying he
1: destroyed a lot of great actually vintage guitar stuff that would be worth mega money today he i know destroyed back in the day just by trial and error just figuring out how stuff worked right so
0: and nowadays you can buy not so much anymore with like the supply chain issues and stuff but stuff's still pretty cheap man uh so, I mean, you can buy stuff and make mistakes and it won't kill you uh, financially. Mm-hmm. So the risk factor isn't there anymore. Um, so, I mean, if you can find the, if you can get a good deal on some parts, you know, and it's, if, if you feel like learning and doing something, I mean, it's, it's a good knowledge to have, especially if you just learn how to, heck, if you, if you just learn how to wire your input jack properly or your ground wire, I mean, how many times have, have, guitar players been like oh my guitar's making this buzz and then then you take it in the shop and they're like two days later you get it back it's 80 dollars or 90 bucks and they just you know all they the more it took more time for the soldering gun to heat up than it did they for just, them to fix it man they
1: just sired soldered, soldered a, a wire back on and laughed
0: yeah they opened it up and <laughs> saw that there was like a wire sticking off the pot it's like learn how to
1: do that stuff the people? tech was the tech was like this while while you were walking away,
0: <laughs> right? But you know, I mean, they got to make a living, and and their knowledge is their uh, they're worth their money that you pay for them. If a good tech is worth the money, but mm-hmm. I'm like, heck, if I can save a hundred bucks on a repair, that's uh, I just bought a Squire Strat for eighty nine dollars, man. I it pays for my next Squire Strat I find at a pawn shop, and uh, versus paying somebody. $100 to resod or something. Hmm. So it's uh every penny counts. Plus you learn something, you learn a skill. Um dude, I I, I did a video called the Unshark. I was going to buy me an EV8 shark but they're too much money. I think they're ugly, but I bought this uh I bought a kit on Amazon. You can buy these kits for 179 bucks and it's not for a beginner you got to glue the neck you got to have a c clamp and some wood glue and you got to know what you're doing but it comes routed out for the tunematic bridge or not routed but drilled out for the posts mm-hmm. and all the holes are there so you don't have to do any measuring and drill the bodies and stuff but i wanted to make a shark guitar and and i'm like man i'm not going to cut the chunk out of it and this is my unshark and this was fun it's it's pretty close to the to what the paint scheme is on that shark although i had to guess this section's gone down there yeah <laughs> right so now it exists again and uh you know the back of the neck is accurate and the headstock and you know you got to look oh, wow. at those pictures now it's not like a burgundy color but it's got metallic silver on it and boy it was a lot of fun you know and i i bought some uh, fairly affordable alnico humbuckers uh, for it and uh mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's cool. I did a video on this, and I did my run-in with the devil lesson on this guitar. It's not perfect. I mean, when you make a guitar, it has to. It's kind of like it. You go back to it, and then you're like, oh, I got to adjust the truss rod again. I gotta, I got to fool with the, I got to fool with the action, and finally, yeah. like six months later, they kind of sit in, settle in a little bit.
1: <laughs> and these and these guitars need time to settle.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. mean. Uh, so yeah, it's I mean, this is kind of Van Halen related, but that's my my unshar. Oh, that's that's totally Van Halen. Guitar, and it, man, it it still smells like lacquer. I I finished <laughs> this thing a couple months ago, and it's uh, but I'm proud of it. You know, I'm gonna gig with this at some point when it decides to finally behave itself. In my running with a devil lesson, I go to hit that high bend in the solo, and it frets out. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> It totally sucks, and what people don't know about that video is I, the sixth fret on this thing was high on the high E string. It was too high, and so when I was playing the fifth and the sixth fret, it was the same note, right? I hate that. <laughs> so I was filing down that that sixth fret really like like a banshee. I was trying to get it ready for. I wanted to do this rec- record uh, that video with this guitar, and I finally got it right. Oh my god, I fixed it! So then I I didn't check the rest of the guitar, and then I went for that. I went for that solo piece at the end and I'm like, now I got an issue on the, on the, on the upper fret. So I gotta, I gotta raise the bridge and adjust the truss rod. It's like you adjust it here and you adjust it here and you do this, you do this little dance. Right. And you finally get it right. And then you come back a month later and it's like, yeah. crap, And, it's like- and in <laughs> the comments are
1: all like, you're playing the same note twice. Or whatever. <laughs> Uh, oh, on my video, I'm playing the same note twice? Oh, because it frets out.
0: Oh, yeah, it sucks, <laughs> man. And and like, and like, I do all my videos live, man. I don't, like, I, I practice the stuff a little bit. Like, I know how to play these songs, and I, I go over it in my head, yeah. and I, I make sure I got it right. You know, I don't want to, like, come off, like, crap, Um, even though, <laughs> even though I mean, I don't want to be, like, embarrassingly bad, but I think I'm going for the, you know, I'm just sitting here with you as a guitar player. I mean, we're human, right? and I'm going to mess a few things up, but I'm going to show you I looked. Yeah. I'm going to show you, you know, what works for me. And, uh, I was pretty embarrassed when I got to that point. And I don't, I don't do two takes on a, on a lesson. The only time I've done two takes was when I realized I wasn't, I hadn't hit record in pro tools. (laughs) I I wasn't recording like audio. I was like, no. Right. And, uh, so you get what you get on those. Right. And then I, I go back and I load them in my laptop and I edit the stuff down and, I go, it's oh, good enough. <laughs> like, like it's, it's organic, man. It's like it, we all experience these things and I guess that's what I'm yeah. trying to go for is, you know, be yourself and it's okay yeah. to make mistakes. I mean, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be uh perfect with it. I I'm just trying to be good. I want to be good and be have integrity with it and help people. But, <laughs> I'm not yeah. trying to I'm not trying to impress anybody and go, hey man, check me out. You know, I mean I'm so over that now. that years past those days, thank God. But yeah. there's there's always somebody better than you. There's a lot of people, and then there's always someone better than those people. And there's always someone that can play faster than that guy. And you never mm-hmm. stop learning. And if you think if you if that's your if that's, that's your goal in life, that, then I got I got bad news for you, man. It's gonna be lonely and depressing.
1: <laughs> that that's actually that's that's the best. That's a great piece of advice: is never stop learning, no, no matter what it is, no matter True. what you're doing. There's always there's yeah. always more. Yeah,
0: yeah, and listen to different types of music and stretch and and try to accept stuff. Um, you know, mm-hmm. as we get older, we we grow fond we. We're fond of the music we grew up with. Clearly we grew up with Van Halen and we were coming of age with Van Halen and no one's going to tell us different. Those were the best times. And I'm I'm confident they were the best times. Uh, but you know what? Go listen to, uh, Greta Van Fleet's new album. Honestly, go listen to it and, and don't listen to people tell you they're Led Zeppelin copies. Listen to those dudes. That album is awesome. They're great. And I and mean, open yourself up to it, man, and put your ego aside. Check out Billie Eilish stuff. Listen to a Lady Gaga record.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it's, I mean, there's you, a reason. You will learn a lot. There's a reason Greta Van Fleet, Billie Eilish, Lady Gaga. Actually, a friend of mine was in one of her music videos. Actually, my friend's band there's yeah. a song called uh, "Just Dance" or whatever. Yep. Yeah. It, they, they're, it's like a party, and if, if you if you pause at a certain point, a couple of times in the video, you'll see a couple, a few friends of mine like sitting That's on the cool. couch. Um, I want to yeah, audition
0: all... for her band. I like if you're out there, Lady Gaga. I want to play in your band. <laughs> I would. That there would you be. Go. Uh, I would. That would be so fun, man. I'd love there to do a go. pop show like that. You know, it'd yeah. be so different. But yeah, that's that's a cool story, dude. But you yeah. were
1: saying, you know, you gotta you gotta there's a reason like grow. Lady Gaga, Greta Van Fleet, and people do give them a lot of crap. I've actually never heard them, so I'm gonna have to check them out. But there's a reason why bands like that get to that level. They're they're not stupid. And the stuff right, right. you know, you you can like whatever you like. If you don't like something else, Right. and it's successful maybe give it a ch- give it a chance cuz at least learn from it you can all yeah. like i just said you can always learn from from right something growth is good and you know trying to trying to open
0: yourself up to new things is good um, but you know music is a lot like food uh you can uh an analogy i use a lot is you can make the best spaghetti in the world But if you serve it to someone who hates spaghetti, they're not going to like it. And that's okay. You still make great spaghetti. It's just not for that person. But if you've never had spaghetti before in your life, and you're not going to listen to or eat it because it's red, or you've heard that it's spicy, judge for yourself and eat it, and then you can objectively say, I don't like it. Or you try it again. Try someone else's spaghetti. Grow with it, you know. And I know it's kind of a dumb analogy. It's like I'm talking about food, but <laughs> we me, talk food all the time on these but, shows. It's but okay. music is is
1: subjective,
0: like food. I mean, everyone's tastes are different. And yeah. uh, I I'm the kind of person though where I can't listen to too much at one time. I it takes me forever to digest an album. I can't go out and get like. Uh, I listen to a lot of stuff. I have really weird tastes. Like, um, <laughs> I, like Arch- I like Arch Enemy. You know, I think Jeff Loomis is a great guitar player. I like some of the screamo metal, but you know, I'm not going to go out and buy the new Arch Enemy album when it comes out in a couple months. And that same week, I'm not going to go out and buy another album that came out and another album. I've got to sit and devote time and listen to that and i won't go back and write arch enemy songs i can't that's not my thing right Mm -hmm. but it is it inspires me i look at their videos and i look at their lyrics and i look at you know the clothes they're wearing on stage and the places they're playing and that inspires me to go back and write my own thing and i think eddie was a lot like that i think a lot of people give van halen grief they're like ah dave left and sammy joined and they changed and blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, man, Eddie was, was like a teenager when he wrote running with the devil and he became a multi, multi, multi multi-millionaire and has seen and done things. None of us will ever get to do probably in our life to that level. Most of us. And you're going to change. Think about the man you are now versus the man you were graduating high school You are completely different, but in many ways, you're still the same. And as an artist, we're going to write and create music differently. It will still have remnants of our past. But if you haven't grown by the time you're in your mid 30s as a musician and you're still playing the same stuff, for one, you're going to get left in the dust by your record label because you have to grow with the times and you have to be relevant. Mm -hmm. But you also would go crazy if you just did the same thing over and over. And Eddie would not let himself do that. He had to reinvent. I don't think Eddie wrote songs like Spanish Fly or Cathedral, you know, or the intro to Mean Street or that keyboard part in Mine All Mine on ou Too." I don't think he came up with that stuff just to go, man, this is going to blow their mind. He would sit down and go, man, I came up with this idea. He grew into that. And it's hard for fans to accept because when you get an album that is immortalized, you, immor- you enter into immortality, as Steve I says, when you hit the red light. When the green light's on, red light's on, you enter in immortality. We're entering into immortality right now. This will be yep. around forever. There's a red well, light right there. Yeah. And you cut that record, good or bad, it's there forever. And if it's awesome, if it's freaking killer, man like if it goes diamond right that's crazy and you mm-hmm. tour that record for 2 years man and you're on every guitar magazine and and someone's like man i was 17 when i heard that record and that's when i had my first girlfriend and i drove for the first time and i went in the marines or i did whatever you know that was that was my pivotal moment in life and then 4 years later you put out this record and you're playing something that you've been inspired by that person's like got that time stamp. It's like a time capsule. And and back in those days, you couldn't follow everything they did because internet wasn't around. Plus, Van Halen held their cards close. They still do. They mm-hmm. still hold their cards close, even with Eddie gone, uh, for a good reason. But they always wanted you to be surprised when they came out. Was their hair going to be cut? Was Eddie can be playing a different guitar, but it's the new trick. But Eddie allowed it to develop organically and naturally, and it was hard for fans to accept because a lot of times time would lapse between records. Towards the end of their career, you know, they were cranking stuff out like sausage grinders, man. <laughs> In the first four, six, four or five album bands, boom, boom, boom. That was like every two, two and a half years. No, every year, yeah, man. And uh, seven, took-
1: eight, seven, nine, 80, 81. Yeah,
0: right. But you know, Eddie was older. He would need to take time off. He would take more time recording, developing, yeah. and he'd come up with something. And I think, you know, some artists intentionally alienate their fan base just to be different. I'm going to get some hate, but I think Prince did that. I think Prince alienated his fan base and was like, I'm going to do what I want to do, which was fine. It was good, but only his hardcore base, you know, uh, maybe I should use a different artist, but my point is, is I don't think Eddie ever alienated the true fan fan base. He just did stuff differently. He didn't just come out with something just to be like, screw y'all. And I'm going to play kazoo. And uh, <laughs> there's some kind of quote Eddie did once where he said, I, you know, I, I would, I come out playing bazoo, you know, uh, a bassoon and, you know, a cello or something for the next record, if I wanted to, and if that's what yeah. I feel like doing, or you know. But it
1: well, cause he, he he did play those. Yeah, but he, he did what he wanted. He always did what he wanted, and that's why you know people would always say, "Hey, Eddie, you should do a solo record." He's like, "What's the point? Every Van Halen record is a solo record because, right? I do everything anyway." Right. He
0: planted that seed and and cultivated it, and and his band you know, Al was there for along for the ride and Al was like the fertilizer (laughs) and, 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 uh, you know, Michael Anthony had a, had the best job in the world, man. I mean, think about it. Mikey had such a good job, but he just had to like strap a saddle on the lightning man and just go with it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I, that's how I feel about, you know, the whole Van Halen catalog up through, you know, balance at least, you know, I don't want to bag on Van Halen three, but Eddie was going through stuff, man. And it's, well, it's, it's evident in that record. It's a very hurt and damaged era. Very sad. And, uh, you know, that's why it took so long for a different kind of truth to come out because he had to exercise those demons and, uh, find that inspiration again and that passion Mm -hmm. And that's why I said earlier, we have to thank Wolfgang for it because you know, I've got two sons and my sons inspire me to do things and they inspire me to do what I'm doing on this YouTube channel. They're my, some of my biggest fans and I don't want to let them down. They still believe in me. And, and uh, so, you know, I'm glad I'm grateful for what we got as much as we did towards the end. I mean, they weren't the most prolific, band uh but at least we got what three tours out of it and a final record and hopefully some unreleased stuff someday right they got to get on it man we're not getting any younger i mean wolfgang can't wait 20 years i'll be like false teeth and wearing you know adult diapers <laughs> i'll be like oh i can't listen i can't hear it turn, turn it down my ear my hearing aids are hurting my ear.
1: They'll out, they'll have to any anything they put out in the future, yeah. they'll have to really, really <laughs> crank just so that the original fans can still hear the stuff because they'll they'll be uh
0: Yeah, I mean, um dude, you ever think about like fifty years from now, sixty years? I mean think about like music. With from flying s-
1: cars? <laughs> the future
0: when Teslas are flying. Um when Tesla's on tour again? <laughs> <laughs> they probably are. Um <laughs> Somewhere tonight they're playing someplace in Mississippi. Um (laughs) I like Tesla. Um uh but you know, dude, um think about it. I mean, I wonder, you know, we put we put so much relevance in pop culture and things that we love. These Van Halen guitars probably aren't gonna be worth crap in like 80 years. People be like, What? You know. I mean, the, look at the dude that just bought all those David Gilmore guitars, the guy that owns like the Indianapolis Colts or whatever. I mean, that's that's his hero and his, and that's great. They bought all that stuff, but
1: what's that dude's name? Yeah, the guy that got the uh the Nirvana guitar, right? That guy?
0: I think he got that too, but he got like half of Gilmore's guitars and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think in fifty, sixty, seventy years, man, that stuff's gonna be like I don't think it's be worth anything. We're all gonna be dead, man. Anybody that's Uh, Who's going to carry the torch? I I mean, that's a grim. That's just really bleak. (laughs) Like we've gotten to, like this is like sad. But I mean, I just (laughs) like I I mean, I'm enjoying this stuff while I'm alive. And I guess Mm I'm coming back to the Van Halen catalog. Like, damn it, put it out now, man! Because well, we're the people that care about it, and that that means
1: a lot to us. No, I I think fifty fifty sixty years from now really isn't that far away. Think about fifty or sixty years. Ago, <laughs> I know. Wait, hey, dude. You, 50 think about. Years? Think about it this way, man. When you were in the eighties,
0: right? Okay, in the mid eighties, I was it, it was barely in my teens, <laughs> and I used to think, uh my dad. My dad was a World War II vet. Okay, I was. He was late forties when I was born, so it's possible. But he was. I used, I grew up with him talking to me about being a World War II veteran, and mm-hmm. I would think back to World War II. I was like, man, that was so long, long ago and uh world war ii ended in 1945 so 85 that was 40 years <laughs> it, our era of van halen was almost as long as world war ii was away from me <laughs> <It's> <laughs> when crazy. i was a, when i was a teenager i mean there's my that's how my my brain thinks it's like that was like nowadays our kids like people growing up they're like to them that was like world war Two. <laughs> i mean that was like that long ago coming up on that and uh Mm-hmm. But, you know, with technology and Internet and and cameras and stuff, things don't look as old. It looks more current than it than it, it is. I mean, you yeah. look at if you look at World War Two footage and it's all black and white. and
1: Yeah. You Dude, know, there, there, there's this channel I follow on TikTok where all they upload is is video from like the 1900s, 1910s, 20s, 30s, 40s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like amazing like it's it's just incredible video from so far. So That's, long cool. Ago. That's cool. That's cool. Never. It's insane.
0: That's cool because when you think back at those times, I think everything was black and white and grainy. Like people walked around like,
1: <laughs> but they didn't. They looked just like people we were do sped now. up.
0: Like like wow, they actually wore clothes that were red and blue, and they had green shirts. <laughs> 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 I thought everything was like everyone wore tuxedos. Uh Everybody rode horses. <laughs> right, right, right. At the lawnmowers that you pushed and the things spun around and things like that. Yeah. But uh but yeah, yeah. I mean they gotta be putting that Van Halen stuff out. <laughs> they gotta be starting to think about it soon because uh time time goes by a little fast. I mean, here yeah. we are, here we are now in twenty twenty two and uh gosh, I mean Look at some of the old metal bands and rock bands that are on their last tours. And uh, Mm -hmm. some of them still look really good. It gives me hope as a musician. Whenever I see the stones, I'm like, yes, that means I got another 40 years in me. You know, I think about it like that. Like if they can do that, I can, or if I look at Sammy Hagar, for God's sake, Sammy's going to be 74, 75 in October. I mean, I saw a dude who was 72 in the store the other day buying like lottery tickets and cigarettes. And this guy looked like like he was talking about his age and I was like,
1: "Man, Sammy Hagar's 3 years older than
0: that guy." And that guy, this guy, I'm not putting him down, but this guy was like old. Like, I mean,
1: well, you said he was buying cigarettes.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, still
1: that'll age you. That. Yeah,
0: and taking care of himself, but that's that's Sammy old. Hagar
1: never smoked. Sammy Hagar was—he grew up, I guess, I guess. His dad was a boxer, I guess, so he always worked out. It oh, was always—we yeah. were talking about working True. out. True. Yeah, I mean, he it's a different analogy. Yeah, Sammy's taking
0: care of himself. I mean, he's been a drinker, but he's taking care of himself. Mm-hmm. But I'm, i i guess my point is—is is, you know, I mean, he's an old guy, you know, and he's getting up there. It's hard to, but it gives me hope. I think that's good. I think, you know, I want to—I want to be doing this twenty five years from now, man, I want to, I want to be that guy.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't want
0: it to end. So anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But going back to, you you were talking about, uh, Van Halen guitars, you know, being worth anything like 50 or 60 years from now. The thing is, like I was saying, 50 or 60 years ago really wasn't that long ago. So 50 or 60 years in the future really isn't that far off. Yeah. And that's really scary. Um, and the technology is gonna be incredible. Everybody's gonna be bionic, you know, there'll be everybody's gonna be robotic or whatever. Yeah. But the Van Halen striped guitar, everybody's gonna know that guitar because, because of Eddie Van Halen. Right, right. They'll know that stuff. And right. so somebody people will collect the future generations will collect hoard they're already hoarding all that stuff yeah. now, actually. It's impossible to get a Kramer yeah. guitar anymore.
0: And, you know, as we get, as time goes by, we get more, uh, digital and more, uh, less interactive and less tangible items. Uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, to your point, I think, uh, you know, a physical product like that. <laughs> NFT. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, uh, <laughs> God, don't get me started on that <laughs> stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's like for someone to say, dude, I've actually got this Van Halen guitar. And and his friend's like, I got the NFT of the EVH Frankie. It's like, dude, check this out. And they, you know, they, um, <laughs> this so NFT I, has a monkey's face on it. This is worth <laughs> a billion dollars. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I, it's, I, I think about some of that stuff and I'm like, I, I, I don't know, man. What
1: <laughs> we were talking about that stuff. I, I do a Twitch, I do Twitch shows as well and i, right. like, I play gta i'm flying around in a delorean on, on gta and <laughs> and and we actually we had a guy in there just the other night actually are you in here i'm not gonna name your name he might actually be in the chat here we were actually talking about all that the nft stuff and like all that stuff yeah he was explaining everything like how that works and and everything um uh but uh Anyway, no, no, these, you know, there's MP3s, everything is in thin air, you know, right. you can own, like, look at this, isn't this amazing? You know, you yeah. got to put up social glasses to see what I'm holding. Right. But no, the guitars, the Van Halen, Van Halen is only going to get bigger and just, there's, there's going to be more of a legend. Right. Just imagine, we, we lived through something now that's a legend. Yeah. That yeah. in fifty years, sixty years, people are gonna be like, Oh, I can't believe there's that meme, we say that meme all the time on Facebook. You know, the world is something trillion years old. And just imagine how blessed we are that we actually lived during the time of Van Halen. Yeah, we won the Van Halen lottery, man. <laughs> this type of this uh, this type of stuff. Right, right. You know?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you look at stuff from like uh you know, the war era, World War II eras and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of that stuff is really collectible. And people look at that now like it's ancient Egyptian treasure. It's like so old. And in mm-hmm. 100 years, 50, 60 years from now, it, you know, Van Halen will have been popular 100 years ago. And people will be like, I, I'm with you, man. I'm down with it. You're making me feel better. So <laughs> <laughs> be like, man, that's... It's like King Tut's too, man. I just opened this hard shell case, and there's a, there's an Ernie Ball music man, a purple one that's
1: never seen. It's, daylight. <laughs> it's amazing that people people are they can't believe how how amazing those those things are. You know, to me, it's just another guitar. I I I got one brand new in '92. To me, it's always just been what it is. <laughs> Hi, there's baby, people I, now that are like, that's like the greatest thing ever. Yeah.
0: I baby yeah. mine, mine are hanging up and I don't even have, like I was going to bring them on the show, but I'm like, no, I, I didn't even want them to like mingle in this stand with this, this stuff. Like, like I'll be like, I'll be moving something to be like, Oh, uh Oh, Oh, no. Oh no. Yeah. You know? And I'm not going to have that happen on on a live stream where someone's like, Oh
1: dude, you know? So that's, you know, um, actually let's, let's look at the chat here. I'm seeing some different, uh, let's see. Doug. Hey, Doug. Doug do you know Doug Steele? Do you know Doug Steele? He's, he's a, uh, a, another time YouTuber. Oh yeah. He, yes. Yes. He's yep, asking yep, yep. what's your favorite Van Halen era?
0: Um, you know, I, it changes today yeah today my favorite van halen era is uh fair warning era 1981 80 uh i've really been digging deep into fair warning again uh i think that's his best guitar work i think that's his best their best record probably um from a guitar player's perspective, from um, I guess from a uh, emotional level, uh, the era the era I like the best is probably Sammy Sammy years, just because I I grew up um, as a teenager. Uh, you know, as humans, we, mm-hmm. we associate our youth with certain things and music and our, and youth. You know. Our first show. Yeah, I I was too young. I was too young to be uh, to understand the early stuff. uh, Even though it's like the first six Van Halen records, I think are on par with the first six Led Zeppelin records. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's nothing better. You can't get better than you. You cannot get better than the first six Van Halen records. Like you you can't. There, it's that's period. But my favorite era is the Sammy Hagar era because I grew up with Sammy. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I high five Sammy at shows and uh it was just something magical about seeing Eddie play Ernie Ball music bands front row and uh being twenty early twenties, man, barely old enough to drink and uh sneaking, and you know, not even being old enough to drink and being right here right now and you know, having a beer and right now comes on and you know, it's, I love that. I think that's a great era, but that's because I experienced it. I had, I lived through it. If I lived through, if I was five or six years older and I was like, I had gone to see the 84, I'd be like, Oh man, the 1984 tour is nothing better than that. But watching it on some grainy videos with poor audio quality, doesn't hold up to
1: that. It's, There's a,
0: that's a long answer, man. I, it's, I can't. It's, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it's all about what, what your first, whatever, whatever you first got into. That's yeah. usually the, the what you consider the best.
0: Yeah. Yep. I, and, uh, you know, uh, it's, that's why a lot of guys who, and gals who are, you know, like 60, 58, 60 years old, you ask them about what they like. And, uh, it's David Lee Roth years and, uh, mm-hmm. or they're like, I love Judas priest. I love iron maiden. <laughs> I love, um, you know, and kiss like all the, like yes. all the all the super diehard kiss fans in my life. My friends are the ones that are like, I mean, there's diehard kiss fans of all ages. I'm stereotyping now, but the, the people I know that are like bleed kiss blood mm-hmm. are like 56 and on it's because that they were teenagers when
1: ace was their first guitar hero when
0: ace was still in the band right and you know i love ace fraley ace fraley i love ace man i like kiss i've seen ace fraley probably 10 times live i've seen him with kiss i saw him on the reunion tours i never saw him but uh you know kiss was my first love uh as a band as a rock band uh and then and then I discovered the Beatles, but it's kind of weird how I discovered Kiss first. But that's because they played Kiss the Phantom on TV, <laughs> and I and Gene oh. Simmons scared me to death, man. I was like, holy crap, Gene Simmons! <laughs> and then, but then I was like, he's so cool. I lo- I love the blood. I love the spitting the blood, man. And then then I got Ace Frehley's solo record. This is gonna sound weird, but I was like, I was like, man, Ace looks cool, man. Ace is kind of pretty. He's kind of pretty, man. He's a pretty guy, but he's cool but you know i i had like mixed feelings i mean i had a bromance going on i was like is he a girl i think ace Frehley's a girl you know people actually thought that i think for a while in the in the late 70s and uh but no one looked cooler than ace playing that les paul i love les pauls man i play les pauls because of jimmy page and ace Frehley. mhm i got more les pauls than anything i mean they're my favorite guitar i i'm we talked about it the other day your fender guy and uh you know everyone's like ah you know What's his name? Ben Fricker or whatever the, the dude that slams Gibson every day. Ben, he probably uh, if he was in here, he'd be like Gibson sucks, you know. But <laughs> I'm a Nashville guy, man. I I I I, I like I support Gibson, man. Uh, but that's cool. But Ace Ace is, and I love Fenders. My Fenders, I love them. But uh, Ace Ace is the place. <laughs> For the helpful hardware, (laughs) and he was a great guitar player. So, back to you know, Van Halen, I guess we could segue back to some Van Halen stuff. You know, I don't believe those stories about Eddie's like Gene saying Eddie was gonna join Kiss. I mean, I think Eddie was like bummed out and was like, Hey, you need me to join Kiss? and and then Gene is gonna be like, Eddie Van Halen said he was gonna join Kiss. It's like, No, that would never work.
1: He probably just wanted to jam with them, you know.
0: Yeah, I think I think Dave was on his way out and Eddie was probably feeling like now what, you know? Mm-hmm. This is the end of the line. What am I going to do? Cuz mm-hmm. Dave was Dave was very instrumental. I mean, Dave was the mouthpiece for the band. He designed the t-shirts and the promos and He was the the, the stage the yeah, lead I mean,
1: singer is always the uh, face of, yeah. of the of the group. Yeah, Van,
0: Van Halen probably never would have been Van Halen without David Lee Roth. Really. I mean, they, they probably would have been known and Eddie was a great guitar player, but they, they, he's what brought them the mm-hmm. he brought the show. And uh, even though Ted Templeman hated him, uh, but uh, in the beginning, but I mean, it was the perfect storm. MTV came out and we got David Lee Roth in your face and uh, all those stars that were created by MTV, all of our icons, all of our '80s heroes, mm-hmm. MTV created them because cable television was not around. And all of a sudden, people in Topeka, Kansas, knew what Joan Jet looked like. And Joan Jet went from selling fifty seats to five thousand in one week because MTV and she was cute. You know, you,
1: you could see the radio, right? You could actually right. watch. Yeah. Yep. You could you could actually watch the you could literally see the music.
0: True, it's true, and you know van Halen were they were uh good looking dudes, and uh they had that charisma and uh Dave knew exactly what to do it with them with m t v so and that's kind of what killed metal i mean it kind of went to like it went it went insane and then you finally had bands like uh like uh <laughs> What's that band's name that Michelangelo Badio was in? What's that?
1: I can't think of their name. Oh now.
0: uh someone in the chat telling me what was I don't even know. They sang Freight Train. I <laughs> it, saw he, him at NAM though. I had, see him at NAM all the time. He's a sweet guy, man. He's a great player, but he had bands like that finally putting out videos and people were like, Nope, we're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> Nitro. Nitro is it? Doug right.
1: Still, thank you, man.
0: Yeah, Nitro, you know, it's like metal, metal went from like this cool phase to like Nitro. And it's like, at that point, we were all ready for
1: a change. Change is good. Let me just say that, you guys.
0: Change will do you good. At least that's what Mm -hmm. Sheryl Crow says.
1: Mm -hmm. Spare change.
0: (laughs) If you got any change, take a quarter and screw it on your guitar and put it under your Floyd Rose, and you will sound just like Edward Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: that—that that <laughs> is one of the that is one of the the secrets.
0: Yep, 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 yep. You
1: know. Um, so I don't know how you're doing. Yeah, normally these are like couple hours. We're at a couple hours. There's so much stuff that we haven't even. There's so much stuff we talked about the other day that we haven't even discussed here. Um, But uh, I don't know know. if you want to, if you want to keep going, we can keep going, but I know you said you got to be somewhere.
0: Well, no, I I got to, I'm I'm going on a trip tomorrow, Uh, but I'm, I'm good, man. It's uh, I'm good for now. I mean, if you're good, we can go a little while longer. I mean, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah. Should we keep going in the chat? The, actually, are we are we born you guys to death yet? I guess see. it'll always be there for uh, podcasts later, right? Oh I'm yeah. trying, I was trying to think about what was some of the stuff we talked about Sunday. What were we gonna What were
1: we gonna bring I'll, up? I'll tell you because I, I I remember. Here, let me. Um... I told my Zeke Clark story, <laughs> and
0: uh, my I love all access. I could talk about my. Uh, my piece of Edward Van Halen gear. <laughs> I don't know if I should or not.
1: <laughs> anything but, you, wanna, anything my, you wanna talk about is all good. Let me just show this real quick. I got, this was texted to me. I told you guys earlier how these friends of mine are, are in this, this um, Lady Gaga video. It's, it's called, uh, I think, Just Dance, I think. That's old but school. But if you, if you pause the video at two minutes, 30 seconds, you'll see my friend's band. Right here, those those are those are my friends. They're they're a band. They're called Flipside, and they that's actually cool. had some. They had some. They had a they had a song called Someday, um, that was actually I think it was uh, like the theme for the Olympics one year. I mean, How cool. Yeah, yeah. But that's my buddy Dave Lopez down on the bottom bottom left there. He's a very good friend of mine. He actually introduced me to Jason Becker. So I know Jason and Jason's family because of Dave. Nice. Um, and uh, anyway, that's the flip side. They're still around, but the the blonde singer isn't with them anymore. Um, you guys remember, might remember her from MySpace. She was like one of the big MySpacers back in the day. She was in my top 10 friends. Years last... ago. Uh, your top 10, your top friends?
0: Yeah. Yeah. She wouldn't talk to me, so <laughs> I, I put her in the top 20. And she...
1: She left. What was her name? It was, um, uh, what was it? I forget. But anyway, the label, yeah. they were on, um, they were on the same label as Lady Gaga. That's why they're in the video. And, and the, uh, the label wanted them to be, to be, have them be like, uh, black eyed peas. So they grabbed her from MySpace and put her in the band, the, the singer. This is true. What robot master switch? Ask Marty if he lives in Nashville. Is he familiar with Jack Pearson or any of those session guys? Yeah,
0: I'm in in Nashville. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with with Jack Pearson. I've I hear a lot of names and there's a lot of session guys around. The session work in Nashville is um, it's not like it used to be. I moved here in the early 90s and you legitimately could um you could make a living doing sessions even if you weren't famous or like a go-to guy because you could join the musicians union and they would list your name you know it was 50 bucks a song in the 90s you could you could do like six or seven songs a week and and make enough money to pay rent and you get calls from producers. There used to be studios everywhere. You drive down 14th, 15th, 16th Avenue, and it's now all zoned commercial. And there's ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, you know, RCA, the big ones are down there. But mm-hmm. there used to be houses, just people's ho- homes that had real to real studios. And they would book sessions constantly. You'd see advertisements in uh, you know, the newspaper, uh, I'll produce your record for fifty bucks a song or whatever, and those guys would call you. You'd get, I'd get calls and referral work, and you could make money. And uh, a lot of people don't know that Nashville, especially back in those days, uh, it's kind of like uh, if you've ever heard of the 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 uh, wrecking crew from uh, these did all those records in the '60s and '70s and part of the '80s that they were like every song you've ever heard produced by Phil Spector (laughs) and every monkey's record and every, it's all a wrecking crew. Well, Nashville Mm -hmm. has its own circle of musicians that cut all the records, all the big ones. And, uh, here's a little secret about Nashville is they, they find the really pretty women that sing good and they find the really nice looking dudes that sing good. And they got an agent and they, uh, they go to the publishers And they say, what do you got? We're developing this image for this artist. And the publishers give them all these songs. And uh, they'll cut about 60 tunes. And they put your song on hold, if you're a songwriter. When they put your song on hold, that means no one else can cut it. Mm -hmm. So you you may wait three years while your song's on hold. No one else can cut it. And you're hoping and praying your song gets cut on a record. And uh, if it goes number one or whatever, if it gets cut, you get royalties based on that. If you're a songwriter, there's staff writers that work in Nashville. You know they make ninety thousand, eighty thousand, hundred thousand dollars a year, or whatever, and they got to have six songs published in a year. But they write about fifty songs. But they got to publish. They got to get one good enough song published a year. And those publishers pitch those songs to those labels that are trying to develop those artists. And then they go, all right, we're cutting this record. And guess what? The big labels are going to do. They're going to call in, you know, Dan Huff and Brent Mason and. You know jack pearson all your guys your guys man your big guys because those dudes have the licks they're going to come in and you know they're going to charge you a couple grand but they're going to they're going to come up with that that lick you know everybody's heard you know the
1: you know those types of licks man the, look at that those licks on a, on a frankenstein
0: You know, you got those guys that can come in and they can flat pick, <laughs> they can flat flat pick the hell out of that stuff. And and if you think you're good, if you think you're good, and you may be good, those dudes will smoke you like Jack Butler. Um, they're insane, and those guys get the calls and they crank those records out like just like cookie cutters. Boom. Mm-hmm. and uh you know a lot of that stuff shut down because now records don't sell but the big labels still crank out the big artists but they want hits and that's why bro country exists and that's why you know nashville's changed so much because well i mean it's a new era it's, there's youth out there that go for different things uh and they're chasing that constant uh image of what nashville is supposed to look like to you on tv and it really doesn't look that way Part of it does. I mean, Nashville's evolved a lot. It's a great place, but that's uh, how the music industry works for the, the big, the big dogs in Nashville. And uh, there's no way I I would ever come close to hanging with any of those country cats. I can, I can play, I can go on tour. I go on tour and play with those people and cut that stuff, but I'm not, I'm not the guy that you're going to call in and say, I'll give you $3,000 to play this on this track. And you go in there and you you bring you know six custom shop Telecasters and you're playing through a Helix and you got a Dumble and you got a whatever in the back of your car and you're like what do you want? And they're like ah we think we're gonna go with a Dumble on this in that '57 Telecaster Esquire. Cool, all right. And then boom, they just they just tear it. And then uh, that guy just goes whatever. He moves on. Those guys are like whatever. They go on the next session and then like two years later, like, Hey, I cut that solo. That's <laughs> my solo. <laughs> you know, I'll be playing with, I like, I play at a church. I, I like, you know, I'm not like some Holy roller, like crazy religious, like fundamentalist Christian guy, you know, but I'm, you know, I, I play at a church and we play rock and roll and country and being in Nashville, I hang with a lot of cats, man. I hang, I, I hang, you know, we're just normal dudes. Right. And, and, uh, I talk to the guys. They're like, yeah, man, I cut that solo. That was my, that was me on that. I'm like, get out of here and like yeah you know it was media yeah, for real listen to this and uh, they just Might get their yeah they get their little piece you know their little money and uh i got friends that go on tour man they i got a buddy that's on tour with a up and coming artist they play their seven songs i'll leave them anonymous but they play their seven songs in these humongous stadiums every night and they're opening for a major artist and, uh, you know, they get like 45 minutes and they're making like scale, you know, they're making like more than they would make if they're working at Walmart Which, but they're touring, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's in, it's dependent on, will that singer stay healthy? And if not, right. he's, he's unemployed and he needs to start looking for work when he knows that tour is coming to an end because it, because then he's gonna not have work and if they like you and you're a friendly person and you're good to get along with you'll get some more road work uh, if you're you know you can't they're not always going to look for like if you're like the killer killer player but you're a jerk they're going to be like nope but if you're like the good player and you're really cool they'll be like come on man let's do it because they know that mm. 6 months down the road they're not going to want to slit your throat in the middle of the night because you <laughs> you know you're <laughs> you're just a total Douchebag to them every night. You like bring misery, you know, on the bus, and you're just a diva. And
1: only the only the lead singer can be the diva. Everybody right. else has to be. Well, they're
0: probably yeah. on a different bus anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? If anybody's ever watched this show, this the movie Hired Gun, you need to watch Hired Gun. It's a lot like it. Um, but you know, what's crazy. I found this out too. Is these opening acts labels used to like find this band and be like uh i'll give you an example in the 80s i saw faster pussycat not by choice (laughs) six times because they (laughs) they opened for like every band like for two years they just happened to be on the opener and i like faster pussycat but um they were getting pushed so hard but the label wanted them to sell records they were trying to promote them right and Mm -hmm. they probably weren't making really much but but man now if you if you want to be on tour with somebody and you're a band you have to pay. They'll be like, man, you want to open for us. It's like 40 grand because you have to purchase these tickets. Like we, we, you have to be able to sell 5,000 tickets or 2000. So that's going to cost you for the, for the six weeks you're out with us, 40,000 bucks. Hmm. And then then you get on that tour. And then that artist who's the singer, you're just the hired gun. That singer's management and label pays that money, hoping that, because they're opening for you know hootie from hootie and a blowfish or whatever you're on his tour you're gonna i don't think his
1: name's actually hootie though i think it's
0: uh Derek, Derek, uh somebody i don't i can't remember
1: but he's everybody thinks he's hootie
0: i I only reason i'm thinking about him is because i had to learn that song wagon wheel (laughs) i had to play a, a corporate gig a couple weeks ago and and they mm-hmm. were like, "We're gonna play the Darius Rucker version of of uh, there you go, of Wagon Wheel." I'm like, "All right, I got it." But um, yeah. And in Nashville, we played a numbers. If anyone doesn't know what a numbers system is, a numbers chart, uh, you go into a set, and I do sessions. You go into a number session, and and uh, and they'll say, "All right, we're gonna play this song. We're gonna give you. We're gonna play you the rough demo of what the songwriter sent in." And you sit there and you listen to it and uh, they hand you a sheet of paper and it's got like a one on it, a six, a five with a diamond over it. And then there'll be like a seven with a flat five, you know, and you gotta be like, what the heck is this stuff? And, and then the reason is they'll say, we're going to play this song in F. Cause the singer, the singer, uh, you know, she's a female, for instance, she sings better in F songwriter wrote it in like a flat or whatever so you got to think all right f's the one the seven is a is an e flat all right the four is a b flat a six minor is a d minor you just know this stuff off the top of your head and you just listen to that demo and you know what vibe they're going for so the band plays it and you're all good musicians so you start on that one six minor five four i mean that might be the groove of the song on the demo and the producer might say you know what she's struggling in f so we're going to change this key to b flat and that's our new one so Mm. so now now you're in b flat seven four one four one seven one you're looking at the chart and it's you know you know it's all four four beats per bar Mm -hmm. and it's up to you to make that that happen and they know the good musicians and if you get if you do well and you don't cost a lot of time you'll get called back so i know this is a van halen show i'm sorry johnny but we're talking we kind of segue to nashville and what it's like
1: no this is this is this is cool man and then you go to do it I just we got talk, a, we talk all music on here too. I, yeah, yeah. I got a,
0: <clears throat> a friend of mine was going away out of town two weeks ago. I told you I had to play this corporate gig, right? And and uh, 60th wedding anniversary for a couple, and the money was good, man. The money was, I'm like, someone says, Can you fill in for me? The answer is yes. And uh, so then the singer for this band got my email and he sent me the song lists, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they hand you a bunch of charts. You get to these shows. You can't learn. You can't be prepared with 90 songs, man, for uh, for a gig that's three weeks away. But if you've played a lot of cover tunes and you know your way around the instrument, you listen to this stuff. You come familiar, become familiar with it. And you go through the set list and you're like, all right, <laughs> they're playing Purple Rain. I got to play that solo, right? (laughs) So, you know, you got to think in the end of Purple Rain, you know, how does that solo go? Because you don't want to mess that up, but you can, you can play the chart based on the chord. So you have to do your homework. And if you don't do your homework and you can't do it, you're not going to get that call again. So I was thinking about doing a YouTube video on how to recharts Nashville numbers. It's a good idea. Yeah. I was thinking about doing that. Just for fun, but I get intimidated doing that stuff because there's always like somebody else will be like, "Oh, you know, what? there's a different way to do charts," and I just gotta like tune that stuff out. I'm, you know, I I do what I do. Yeah. And you know, if you like his stuff better, yeah. go watch his stuff. But
1: That's that's when we when we what was that Sunday we talked when when we talked last time. That's what I was telling you. You just gotta do do what, what you do right you you can't and the more the more you do the more youtube stuff you do the more your the more you present yourself on the internet yeah. the more you're going to get people like oh you're awesome or uh oh, you're ugly you know you're going to get both yeah. yeah and you you can't you you i mean you can respond to all of it but you you, you can't let it affect you you just have to keep doing True. True. what it, what it is that you do
0: yeah I, I mean, so I might, I might come up with something like that, you know, and charts mm-hmm. can get difficult, man. I mean, if a chart gets too difficult, then you got to write a a letter chart. If there's, mm-hmm. there's like certain jazz tunes, you don't want to do a number chart for, if you're got to do, if you're playing stuff like a flat minor 11, sharp 13 and stuff, you're not going to do numbers on that. You're going to, uh, and you're going to have to know for certain what that cut, that, uh, <laughs> that person's going to, what key they're going to sing it in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but number charts can be, can be tricky though. I mean, it's not all one, four, five. I saw someone put, you know, one, four, five in the chat. And a lot of times that's what it is. I mean, rock and roll really is one, four, five, minor six, (laughs) minor two. But, uh, occasionally, you know, it's, it songwriters. uh, I'm a songwriter, you know, I guess I consider myself one. I've got a ton of original stuff out there, but I hate, um, there's this, you know, cliche songwriters, man. They, they always go for that modulation, you know, they they have to, they got to write a bridge, and I feel like they write those bridges sometimes just to impress their songwriter friends, because like I feel like they weld they have to weld the bridge together to the song. Uh, and you know I I write a lot of charts for bands and stuff, and I think man why did they why did they go up to this dominant three chord? Why did why did they feel like they had to go to a three here? You know why what was wrong with just sticking to one four five, and try to write a weird melody around that, and then then modulate it back to the to the the main dominant key again or god forbid they modulate to a a strange key you know if the song is in e for instance right and then it modulates down to e flat god forbid you hit any open strings in e flat <laughs> or uh, you know what i mean it's uh, and you're and you're playing in stereo and you and the sound man's got you way up high and you're like you're like oh yeah I, I i meant to do that <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you it play sucks. it twice. Yeah, you play it you with play authority. It tw- play it again. Yeah. Right? But... Symmetry. Thank you so much, Symmetry. This is awesome.
0: Yeah, and you know, you gotta learn uh you learn quick what major and minor pentatonics are and how to blend those things together. You find a lot of a lot of roots, rock, and a lot of rock and roll in general. Uh, you know, you'll get a chart on something that's that's like uh, you know we'll do something in E, like then it'll go to D, then A. So you got your one seven uh, four progression there, right? And you think, all right, I'm cool. And then they say, all right, guitar's gonna do a solo. So the first thing you know, most guitar players are gonna do is go. Right, you do something in, in pentatonic minor because that's what we go for and it fits that chord progression. But you you start to find out with certain tonalities and certain chords that you play that yeah, this D is in there and you're in E. So you gotta play that you gotta play that dominant seven. You gotta have that in there, but then you listen to the melody and the singer is doing something that's in major though. She's hitting that G sharp a lot of times in that melody. And you're like, well, I, I can't just play this in a major key. So you learn how to do stuff in major minor, like, you know, things like that. I'm, I'm sucking tonight, but, you know, that's that's how you make charts come to life, in my opinion. Awesome. Is, is you have to listen to the melody and and uh that's the beauty of playing in a three piece, like Eddie, like Van Halen were a three piece, clearly. Like no, no crap, they were a three-piece. Um well <laughs> well, dude, I mean if if that was what was so great about Eddie's freedom and like with Hendrix and even Jimmy Page, a lot of those power trios is mm-hmm. if you got if you just gotta get if you got like um if you've got a song where the bass player is just you don't know if that's major or minor right you just you don't until they go all right now we're in major it sounds like a surf song all right but but if you just if you're just playing root and fifth and that bass player is holding that down yeah you know you can you can do whatever you go Or you can go minor.
2: Uh.
0: You know? Or you can get, do kind of like a mixolydian thing and do major and minor together. You hear that a lot in Nashville where the guys do the. And when you hit that dominant chord, that seven, it's so rock and roll. And that's where that whole blue shuffle stuff comes from. It's that minor, major. I can't see through my hair.
2: <laughs>
0: so uh, thanks for letting me uh, wow. <laughs> play on that. Not, but that sounds great, man. But that's how um, you know, we're just talking about numbers and doing sessions and how you you know kind of try to stand out. Not my not my in ears falling out of me my ears. Um, so uh, I don't know why I did all that. I was just trying to demonstrate. You know what we were talking about regarding, yeah, yeah. number Nashville. charts and uh, you know playing sessions and yeah, Nashville standing out. You know, and you learn how we we were talking earlier about you know learning different styles and listening to different things. Hmm. If you eat the same food, is that Ned Templeman? Is that what you said? Yeah, um,
1: Ned Templeman. Uh,
0: he
1: likes yeah. Uh-oh. he likes mice and gophers (laughs) so do i (laughs) um but uh
0: (laughs) yeah i mean so so ned he's he looks great i wish rufus was over here but i'd introduce rufus and ned so yeah you were talking about you know you have to we have to you have to try to try to listen to some new stuff man i i i my i'm not trying to promote my channel but my video the other day my
1: dude is all about promoting your channel it's fine
0: yeah but i, I was I, I mean my i was just gonna say my video i did the other day of my record collection i mean i know it's not the most riveting <laughs> topic in the world but i i was i discovered i i forgot i had all these ventures records
1: and uh, what, what were the records like what, uh, what were some of the the ventures yeah
0: like That's dude cool. i yeah the ventures i had i mean pipeline comes to mind uh there's hey they had a bunch of album covers with girls on the front like surfer looking girls and uh (laughs) and moss Wright guitars and uh that stuff's cool man all that twangy stuff and it's like some of it's kind of out of tune some of it's really performed kind of you know really white (laughs) really like you know just like (laughs) you know it's it's sterile but it's cool because it's so stocky and blocky but um I went back that night and I listened to like a bunch of Re- ventures stuff and it inspired me. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you have to, you got to force yourself. Cool. You got to force yourself, man. I, I challenge everybody out there, go through your collection of something and, you know, put your iPhone on shuffle. I mean, how often do you, we do that. We almost never do go in your iPhone. You scroll through 4,000 things that you've added and you, and you, then you, you just listen to a podcast. You're like, I don't listen to nothing. But mm-hmm. that's me. And then but if I go to like all artists and just hit shuffle, I love it. I'm like, oh, it's a cool song, you know. Danny California comes on, I'm like, oh cool, you know, chili peppers. And the next song yeah. is, you know, come on and it'll be, you know, peaceful, easy feeling by the Eagles. I'm like, oh, that's I'll, pretty cool.
1: I'll hit stuff will come stuff will uh jump onto my iPod. I didn't even know I even had stuff I've i like I have no idea what that even was. Because yeah. I would just I would just like good albums. Or like if someone let me borrow a bunch of albums, I would just rip them and throw them in my, my iPad, my iPod or whatever.
0: Holly, I see you say beach boys. Yeah. I've, yeah. I put, I listen, I love Brian Wilson's writing and uh beach boy stuff. I love it, man. It's corny. Some of it, but it's, it's actually awesome, man. You listen to stuff like I get around, I get around is heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why Van, we're going to talk about Van Halen again. That's why Van Halen was heavy. <laughs> Van Halen, grew up listening to stuff that the heaviness doesn't come from a 100 watt plexi 69 plexi and tons of distortion it comes from it's uh it comes from the way it's approached man like going from Or when you hear the Beatles go in "Health or skelter you know when they hit that riff together. I mean, they're just banging out on Vox amps, and uh, Paul McCartney's screaming his butt off. And uh, I mean, that's heavy. Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page didn't play that distorted. Listen to the first yeah you know, when you hear good times, bad times, that's awesome and uh mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's the conviction that you play with as much as it is the gear or the
1: it's attitude it's the
0: attitude right right and so that's i think that's why it's important to listen to it go back and revisit stuff or listen to new stuff'cause you that attitude is what inspires us. Mm-hmm. and well i speak for myself i mean I, I get inspired by lots of things but you know if going to live music and seeing other people do different things i'm like I'm like damn i i want to play you know i i got to do something different and then mm-hmm. you write a you write a song and uh that's important i mean otherwise you're just gonna sit on your couch and watch youtube <laughs>
1: Which is fine. Well, I do that all tonight, the time. Ex- especially right now. Stay all right, so on all of you, So all of you just log off and go. <laughs> <laughs> <I> just,
0: <laughs> what are you doing, doing watching YouTube? No, that's me. I spend way too much time watching YouTube. I have been watching. Thank this you Johnny, for our Facebook viewers that are here. I've been watching this Johnny Depp trial. <laughs> I I mean, I try to avoid it, Ed, but <laughs> I, I mean, you can't, but I like, I, I there's so much of it and i have been like i just like get a bowl of cereal and i'll sit down and i'll watch camille vasquez like just tear up <laughs> tear up her cross examination and i'm just like man i'm so glad she's not yelling at me <laughs> but it's amazing to me but uh i have wasted way too much time on that i'm i'm glad the trial ended today i really don't care how it turns out i mean i do but i don't it's not my life but uh, at least I can get on with. Uh, I can get on with my life. I can get out of that mm-hmm. cesspool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it was unhealthy. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I I really didn't watch it. I I watched. I saw the part where she said, uh, "And my dog stepped on a bee or something," and it just became a meme for a week. You know. Right. And, yeah. You know, I just saw that.
0: I, I I can't say I watched. Like I wasn't like watching it, watching that. But I mean, there'd be like a an eight minute clip they would say something like oh i'll be all right i can watch this eight minute clip i mean truthfully i mean here's my uh (laughs) uh, i got an idea for a youtube video i wanted to bring up to you and ask you about this but hold remind me of that but um okay uh my favorite youtube channels (laughs) um are probably not (laughs) what you would think like i watch a ton of gear stuff you know but uh which I can talk about that too, but I love watching stuff like car, car track. I love Hoovy's garage. I like watching Hoovy and Doug DeMiro. I like car stuff. I like watching car reviews and, uh, and, uh, Hoovy's garage and Tavares and Doug DeMuro. I can watch those guys all the time. Anytime they put out a video, I'm like instantly, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but.
1: No, um, I, I don't, but I'll, I'll, I'll definitely check them out. I'll definitely check them out, and it's very. Yeah. It's, I like I said. I do. I do shows on Vice, Twitch. Vice I do. I, I do shows on Twitch as well, and and we were doing a show. We were we were playing GTA last night, and we talked. Yeah. Our, our buddy here, uh, Robot Master Switch. We 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 talk uh, while we're playing the games, and we were talk actually talking last night about about this type of thing, and and I was and I was saying, yeah, I like watching the guitar shows as well, but yeah. I watch. A lot of different stuff. Particularly for me, I'm always, I'm always learning like how to do like what I'm doing here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always watching more like tech stuff. And
0: yeah, I watch a little bit of that too. I watch other channels to kind of see, you know, what makes them good. I like to learn from people. I like to like guitar. If someone like, I'd be like, show me that. Like, what did you just do right there? I got to figure that out and I'll go search things. I agree. Johnny Depp. I don't like his guitar playing. I think Hollywood vampires is like a joke. Like <laughs> I, I hate to offend anybody in the chat. I just like, I I'm not into it, man. He seems like a nice man, but he is an actor. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't really care for his music, but that's okay. I mean uh, it's not the spaghetti I like to eat, you know? Um mm-hmm. So, I've never, but,
1: I've never heard him play the guitar, but
0: I was thinking about doing the YouTube series or a video on my Van Halen merchandise, <laughs> like the stuff I've collected over the years. Like, I don't have a ton of it. You probably have like eight times more than me, but I was thinking about showing like tour shirts and, uh, I've oh, got stuff yeah. like that. You remember that magazine called the VH inside? Yes. Yeah. I used to buy stuff from them and, uh, yeah, it, it's, but I guess they gave they, they stopped and it's not a Van Halen store, but. I bought the Van Halen truck. You remember the tractor-trailer truck?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've got the Van Halen truck. That sucker was 75 bucks back in, like, <laughs> 2000. That's, like, today's money. That's, like, 500 bucks for that truck. But I yeah. still have the Van Halen truck. And, it was uh, a
1: black truck with, like, a, a big, like, red uh, Sammy-era VH on the side. It's, or
0: something, yeah, it's right? got the Van Halen rings on the side of the, the truck, yeah. uh, the trailer. And it's, you know, it's not huge. It's only you know it's like that big i mean it's like a small truck but hmm. i got the truck man so i was thinking about showing some of that stuff got a bunch definitely
1: of, yeah definitely definitely man yeah i i i was uh i subscribed to van Halen inside back then actually i know the guy that ran the entire thing we actually I, used to talk that's cool yeah we we both lived in nebraska <laughs> back in in the 90s and 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 i found he used to run he used to sell uh uh live videos it was called the eruption video actually and so that that's how we met because he had an ad in the in the local paper and i called him up and we would just talk van halen like he'd be telling me oh did you know there was there's bootleg videos of this show and like he had everything every everything there is and then later on Later on, uh, he starts doing this this magazine called The Inside, and then that morphed into Van Halen's Store, and now he's running Van Halen News Desk.
0: Cool. cool. I love those catalogs. I I subscribed and got the magazine, but they only sometimes they wouldn't send me one. I'm like, come on, man. You know, it was I, I knew it was a shoestring operation, <laughs> but I was like, where's my issue? What's this one dude say in the chat? I gotta go see what. Which like, one? You, you gotta go to the. Something store in Berry Hill, some studio. Uh, I did they say that? Okay, it says, oh my God, Marty, you got to go to, Holly says it, to to Mike Simmons. Mike
1: Simmons Van Halen door in Berry Hill at Blackbird Studio. Okay. Do you know where that is?
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Someone told me about Mike Simmons, a friend of mine that I played with once when I was like, man, you remind me of that dude. (laughs) You need to meet him. And I'm like, hook me up, man. I can't just go in and knock on the doors of some of these places. I'll be like, who are you? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Like, (laughs) hey, someone told me on the Johnny Bean show. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Nashville's a pretty walk-up town. They'd probably be like, oh, man, come on in, man, fellow fan. They'd they'd be like – (laughs) (laughs) some places would be right right Nashville's still i mean it's growing it's pretty big but it's uh it's still friendly uh you got people are supportive you know it's Mm -hmm. uh so it's not a complete jungle it's not as safe as it used to be nashville's got a lot of we used to never have anybody get shot in nashville and now people get shot every day and our interstates are terrible. I mean, it's it, more people have moved here in the last decade than probably any place. I think we have the biggest boom of anybody. Mm-hmm. But uh our problem is is we don't we don't have any public transportation and uh we didn't expect to get so many people to move here so fast. So our road systems aren't quite wide enough
1: and uh I've never been I've never been there. I'm going to stand. So it's a nice place, but yeah, I mean it's
0: not fun to try to get anywhere anymore. It's no matter what time of day. You know, it's like getting stuck on the 405 or something. Not quite that hmm. bad, but I still love it. I need to that's, meet this guy. Cool. I hope he would love me. I would like to. I need to That's one goal I got to make this year. I Don't go downtown. I, my goal, my, well, my, my goal last year was, man, I'm going to go to that Denny's. <laughs> my goal last year was I got to do better at YouTube. I got to try to actually make content and try to do this just for fun. And I'm doing all right with that. So I feel like I've kind of done that, but I think my goal this year needs to be, maybe I need to get out and make some more connections, uh, like Holly suggested and, you know, my band plays downtown once I play in a cover band that does metal. And we play at a place called Bowie's frequently Bowie's is a pretty nice little place on third Avenue, but uh, it's cool. Cause Nashville, you got constant tourism tourists are down there and they, they love it, mm-hmm. man. They all take pictures of you and you know, it's their weekend in Nashville. And they're like, Oh, I'm here. And it's like, cool. Now go home, <laughs> take a picture. <laughs> I don't know. Nashville's got this thing. It's, it's kind of cliche, but we have this and it's probably in other cities too, but I've never seen it like it is here, but they have these party buses
1: that are like double decker buses. And they're like those guys that ride the, they, they ride a bike and there's like a whole bar like connected. Well, have they have, those? yeah, they have
0: those. They've kind of trimmed back on those a little bit. Cause someone got killed one, <laughs> like a year ago or something. Oh, no. Yeah. Somebody got run over or something by one that fell off drunk. But, um, <laughs> oh my God. the governor. I'll, I'll be right back. I got, I got to get a drink real quick. No, you're cool. But, um, what I was talking to y'all about was is there's these, uh, bachelorette parties that come into Nashville people, these bachelorettes, I, I love them. They're wonderful women and ladies they are a lot of fun, but when you go down in Nashville on a Friday night or a Saturday night, there's several of these double decker buses that drive around everywhere and they're playing country music as loud as it'll go. And they got, neon lights decked out on these buses and there's no roof on it. And every woman's got a margarita the size of a 10 gallon hat in their hand. And they're all laughing and singing and it's fun, but it's uh, that's kind of what it's turned into downtown for the most part. uh, As is that type of scene when it used to be a little bit different where you would see a lot of country artists and songwriters and people promoting their albums and, now it's kind of like you get the publicized commercial uh aspect of it but that's growth that's it's uh, brought a lot of brought a lot of people and business to Nashville the economy seems to be doing good here still pretty much but it's it's a little annoying when you're loading your gear out of a club at midnight and three party buses go by you and they're screaming like crazy and <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens every time I, I got out of this corporate gig I did the other night. I played this, you know, I was played for a couple hours. It was real, it was a real easy gig, but I'm loading into this gig. It's just getting dark. And right, right before, you know, Nashville starts to get crazy when it gets dark. And right as I'm, I'm bringing my last load into this, this hotel, the party bus comes down the street and I hear da. you know, you can hear it for miles. It's Shania Twain. <laughs> And thirty drunk women on the bus go, "Let's go, girls!" And I'm like, "Oh hell, <laughs> it's on, man!" It's 7:30 in Nashville on a Friday night, and the party buses are rolling. And the guy next to you is like, "I played the solo on that." <laughs> I know, right? And and little do you know, but you look out in the crowd, and and it's you know Dan Huff is like two feet away from you. You know, interesting story is I you know I tell you I I, you know, I do I I play uh, at a local church. It's got the big production mm-hmm. and you know it's got the big screens and it's not like huge, but it's pretty cool. And uh we do stuff uh like switchfoot and we've played Lady Gaga songs. We've played a Marilyn Manson song at church before. I mean we've it's just we do different things that associate with the service. It's very um we we you know we try to get younger people in and it's a nice place. But my story is is uh Dan Huff, Dan Huff is a guitar player. He produced Megadeth. He was on Shania's albums. He's he's a big session guy. He played in the band Giant in the eighties. He's a great singer. He's a shredder. He's one of the best in Nashville. His his cut or his his cousin Bobby Huff plays drums a lot with us. And Bobby Huff's got a really mm-hmm. cool YouTube page. And he was one of the first guys that did, what would it sound like if we put Auto Tune on David Lee Roth? Or what would it sound like if we quantized Van Halen? He got a bunch of notoriety on Guitar World's magazine. Oh, that
1: that guy? That's
0: Bobby Huff. yeah. Bobby's a great producer, and Bobby's a great uh, drummer. He's an awesome drummer, but he's a great producer, and he's Dan's cousin. So I need to... He's a friend of mine online, and he's got a YouTube channel, Bobby Huff. Oh, YouTube. I'm already
1: I'm already subscribed to him. I I see that. Yeah, he's a friend of yeah. mine. And uh oh, he's cool. got
0: some really cool videos on, you know, what happens if you quantize Van Halen and a lot of people don't read the watch the video, they comment and you know, these Pew mm-hmm. Venom it's like Van Halen should never be quantized. Well, if they watch the video, he's like, "Dude, you know, Van Halen were so good. If you quantize them, it sounds terrible. You know, it's that's why Van Halen were great." He's a huge Eddie fan. So, he's not trying to you know, perfect Van Halen. Yeah. Van Halen's perfect. So it's I've small. Seen, I've small seen world. some
1: of his stuff. Yeah.
0: He, he does a lot of stuff on Mutt Lang and yeah. you know, Mutt Lang was a great producer. He produced Shania. Obviously he was married to her for a long time. He produced Brian Adams. He produced Def Leppard. He mm. produced ACDC. And uh, in fact, he produced the Lady Gaga song. We've talked a lot about Lady Gaga. I know <laughs> he produced You and I. A lot of people don't know that in you and I that that's the drum beat from We Will Rock You. They took the sample. Oh really? Mutt Lang put We Will oh. We Will Rock You in there. And Brian May played the guitars on that song. So Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Little tidbits of information you learn when you meet someone and they tell you this and they tell you that. And that's one cool thing about being in Nashville. It's still small enough where you can meet people. Like I go to one of the guys that goes to our church, his name is Wayne Moss. And Wayne is the guy that played the guitar on Pretty Woman. <laughs> he's like this this dude who's like 70, man. He looks he looks like uh he should be in the Stones. Uh he's really cool and uh he's a local legend. He's done so many thousands of sessions. But he's like uh I always remember he's the guy that played he played the original Pretty Woman lick. <laughs> he was that guy for Roy Emerson.
1: Really? Yeah. Dang.
0: Roy lived here in Nashville. I live, I live, you know, 15 miles from where Johnny Cash's house was, and all the old school country stars. You know, Trisha Yearwood lives down the street from me. Uh I never see her. She lives she's <laughs> got a gate and a hill. And
1: you're like you know, this.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Reba you know, Reba McIntyre's got a big horse ranch on the side of the lake up here. And and uh, you know the Mandrell sisters. Uh, of course, Roy Orbison doesn't live here anymore. He's he's dead. But uh, and there's a lot of metal dudes that live in Nashville. A lot of metal guys live here. Uh, Vince Neal owns a horse ranch, and Tom Kiefer lives here. My one of my good buddies plays lead guitar with Tom Kiefer.
1: Oh wow!
0: Uh, I think they I think a lot of these metal guys moved to Nashville because they took their metal money that they made, and Nashville's cheap. And they could buy a place and get set up in town and be financially stable. And my friends that tour with these metal guys, they they go to like five, six, seven hours in a circumference and then come back on the weekends. So they'll do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come back. And, uh, you know, they make money that way. These metal guys like Kiefer can Mm -hmm. sell out places and, and make a good living. He owns his own tour bus. So he doesn't doesn't, doesn't have to rent one. That's key. And he's got his guys local. And they, like a pirate ship, man, they set sail, man. The Black Pearl sails out into the sunset and they go play, you know, Illinois or they go down to Atlanta or they hit Tampa or whatever. And they string it back. You know, they'll go do Mobile and they'll do Huntsville and they'll do, you know, Tuscaloosa. And then they come back and it's all in a line. They go far, far out first and, kind of hit it you know they got to make tour managers got to set all that stuff up so it makes sense you don't want to go do miami then hit washington dc and then go play chicago i mean <laughs> you're all your money be on gas right and your bus break down somewhere <laughs> and you know you'd be have a bunch of angry fans so yeah. but yeah a lot of metal dudes live in nashville uh Lots of people have lived here. Stevie Winwood used to live here and Peter Frampton. and I mean, there's new people every day, I find out. Billy Sheehan lives here. I went and saw Paul Gilbert play at a little club in Nashville. And uh, Billy Sheehan sat down next to me and ate dinner at the table next to me. And uh, as I watched Paul Gilbert and he brought his gig bag with his bass and got up and played the encore with Paul Gilbert, (laughs) like only in Nashville, you sit, eat wine, and a in a turkey leg with Billy Sheehan, and then he gets up and plays bass with Paul Gilbert. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay, <laughs>
1: we had we had uh, Billy Sheehan on the on the channel here a couple years ago, yeah, or something, and he was on with us, and he did the show from his garage. So he so we so he had his garage door open, and we got to see like out like the outside of his garage, and right, and, and I think he was showing us like his bases and stuff. And, uh uh-huh. He and does he, bass he, he, clinics. He was really cool. Billy yeah, Stein yeah. does base always, clinics
0: every weekend, mm-hmm. and uh he recently had a pipe burst and it like like burst yep. all over his pedals and stuff.
1: He was drying <laughs> and, them out, yeah.
0: All oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I was just like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> go figure. He's he's really active online, he's always putting pictures up of his food, and uh yeah, he's really his cats, nice.
1: he's a super nice guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. i I met, met him, I met him at NAM several times met him. Yeah. Uh, I told you the story about when I first met him, I, I asked him to get me into, into Van Halen and he said he couldn't do it. Yeah. And the back, like uh, backstage. He, he wanted
0: the gig. He was like, I got the gig, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wish I played bass. I would have auditioned for Metallica. That would have been the gig to get.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. But you know, I've met Billy a few times. Um, I'm a huge Steve Vai fan and, and uh, I in Nashville, a lot of places you can wait outside and meet bands, right? But Nashville is really easy to meet musicians. And I've met Steve on a few occasions, and, and uh, after shows I met Billy, and they'll hang out with you a lot. And sometimes they'll be, they'll even hang out at guitar shops in Nashville or local clubs. And uh, I took a class. I took an Alien Love Secrets class out in Anaheim. I took that with Steve I's first Alien Love Secrets and met up, met him there. And then, uh, I told you Sunday when we wow. talked together, I, I won a best in shred contest yeah. that Sam Ash did. It was really, it's kind of hokey, the whole contest thing, but I got to play a show with Steve. Vai in Knoxville. I got to open up for Vi in 2012. I got to play one song and, and it was fun. His crew treated me really cool. Thomas Nordeck, I think is his name. Thomas is old tech. He, I got teched by Thomas. He brought me my cords and set up my amp and, and uh, yeah, it was neat. I got to go backstage, and I get to held, hold Steve Vai's, uh, gems, all of his gems. Play him. I got to hold the guitar that was the Alien guitar on the Alter Zone, the one that lights up all weird colors. And whoa! I got to look through all of Steve's wardrobe, all his crazy costumes, and
1: got to dig through his stuff.
0: He's a cool dude, you know. And and it's like I didn't talk to him about music. We hung out for a couple hours after that show, and. And I ask him about his bees. He he's an aprist. He does bees, beekeeping. And uh, he's really? from yeah. He's he's really into bees. He makes honey. And uh, and uh, I don't know if he sells it. He probably just gives it to like his neighbors and stuff. But um, he loves bees. And he's from Long Island. And I'm from Ithaca, which is completely different than New York city. Ithaca is like hippie town. Like nothing up there. Nothing. There's nothing in Ithaca. And uh, but my common ground with him was we we're New Yorkers at heart. He's like, I know people in Ithaca. It's great wine country, great wine country. And I'm like, yeah, I've read that you raise bees. And so, you know, we just started talking about like cool stuff, which was my, that was my hidden agenda. I'm like, I can't, I can't go to Steve and go dude when, and for the love of God and that solo and you hit that low B flat note and you shake it, you know, what were you thinking about? And he'd be like, Oh, sucks i've been asked this stuff <laughs> you know i'm not going to ask him anything guitar related like how'd you come up with the gem you know why'd you do the dna strat or the dna d- ibanez with your blood in it
1: Yeah. you know i'm not going to do that with him. so you, i was you ask him that stuff later you warm him up with talking about yeah. beekeeping yeah it was funny because he he said to
0: i i told him I told him, I said, you know what? I go, I wasn't really that nervous playing today in front of you. I go, it's really intimidating to think that you gotta play in front of a Steve Vi audience. I said, But my my biggest fear really is that my gear is gonna fail, like my pedals or my chords. Like I come in prepared to play. I'm not gonna mess up. But I go, I was a little intimidated thinking your fan base might be like, Who's this putz? <laughs> Who's this guy, man? We're here to see Vi. And now we gotta sit through a song by this. You know dork and uh he's like nah man he goes maybe back in the 80s <laughs> he goes but my crowd is really nice they're really nice people and eclectic you know they're very welcoming to new things and i'm like yeah it's cool i i'm one of you i'm one of them i am I agree with you <laughs> but i go it still was a little weird Uh-oh.
1: what did you lose me oh I, oh i'm still here no my, my internet's getting weird oh okay i probably looked weird for a second
0: no you didn't you look fine uh, okay. But it was, it was fun playing that show with him and, and, uh, you know, I asked him a question. I said, uh, Steve, man, you have, you've got sons in their thirties. You write orchestral pieces. You do orchestras in Romania and you did one for benefit for Disney with some children and you written for Zappa and you do the Jimi Hendrix tour and you've had 16 solo records and you still practice and you studio, you have your own studio and you've got favored nations records and uh, your YouTube channel and your all everything that you've got going on. And I said, you know, how, what's the secret, man? How do you, how do you do, how do you do it? Like, what's, what's your advice? And he looked at me and he's like, man, he goes, and, and, you know, every answer he gave me was really deep. And it made me feel better about myself because I could see remnants of me doing the right things in my life to get where I'm at, even though I'm not like <laughs> that level. I'm not trying to sound egotistical, but it was nice to hear some commonality in my life path to mm-hmm. so, know at least I'm in the same radar map as him. And But he said, uh, he's like, Marty, he goes, I have about 100 projects I want to complete. At this moment, I've got about 100 things like legitimately, he says, realistically, each one is going to take close to five years to see it through to its fruition. And I don't have 500 years left. Clearly, (laughs) who does? And he said that you have to prioritize what's important to you and start something and finish it. Pick what's the most important thing at the moment. Sometimes you got to do two or three at once, but pick pick those items and start it. And see it through to its finality. You get it done, and uh, and he and he said that's the key. And then uh, keep doing that. And he says, you know, follow your heart and your passion, and it won't steer you wrong. You know, do do what your sole purpose is. You know, bring good to this world. Do what's play to your strengths and and do what you want and and you know make it make it come to finality. And he says, when you're my age you will look back and you will have accomplished all this stuff and you think, wow, how did you ever do all this? And he goes, it's from decades of just being consistent in finishing products or things, you know, whether it's no matter what your thing is, whether it's cooking or it's bees or wine um, and uh, that's your legacy. You create your legacy. And then when you're gone, that legacy is there forever. And you want to be remembered for your legacy and leave your footprint. And uh, and I thought back to moving to Nashville and, you know, I've done some several albums and played in a lot of bands and seen a lot of places. And, you know, not everyone can be famous one in a billion, right? You can't measure your success based on if you're famous or you have a million followers or a million dollars in the bank or 80 guitars success is different for everybody. But I think true success is, did you do what you did well and with integrity? And did you learn something from it? And that's success. If you can look back at what you've done and uh, you're proud of that, then you can hold your head high. You don't have to be a platinum selling album artist. Now, if you are, that's great. That is a measure of success. (laughs) Platinum sales is a sign of success and videos and, you know, 4,000 all that screaming fans and stuff, groupies and, you know, eight balls of Coke everywhere. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that may be a sign of success for somebody, not me, but um, so there you go. There's your esoteric Steve Vai uh, advice that I paid a lot of money for in the class
1: that you got for free. Well, I think I showed you this the other day, did I? Maybe I didn't. Well, I only posted this a day ago, so maybe you didn't see this. But this is—I I po- I get these for some reason. I, I get these uh, these quotes in my email. I get them all the time. So I decided, well, instead of just deleting the emails, you know, I'll the ones that I like, I'll put up, you know, put up. And there's yeah, I love that.
0: I saw that. It's
1: awesome. This one right there, right. And that—that's really the truth. It is. You know, it's, it's the, the doing.
0: Yeah. And if you get, if you force yourself to create and do, um, I'm a fan, like my shirt, this is Ola England's dog pics. Anybody knows, knows who Ola England is. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not Swedish. I'm Finnish. We're fellow. It's kind of, I'm kind of Scandinavian, but I support my Swedes and my, my Norwegians and my Finns all that stuff. But, uh, I love Ola. And Ola is, uh, he's got a great channel, but Ola forces himself to write new riffs weekly. And that's such a great concept, uh, because you, you can just not create forever. And then it's, it's like working out. Like I, if you don't, if you stop working out and you skip, then it may turn into not working out for six months. Um, it's easy to fall off the horse. Right. And, uh, I love the fact that Ola writes riffs and it's to inspire him to uh, just to come up with ideas. And it's also geared at inspiring his viewers to do the same. So it brings positivity and creativity for everybody. He said he uploads Mm a drum track in stereo and you can download it for free. And he inspired, he says, you send your riffs into me and people, he he does a riff challenge and uh, everyone's stuff sounds so different. And they're completely different songs. But the point is those people sit there and they they write these things. they get out of their box. they get become better players. And I think developing as a guitar player, the most important thing you can do is is write and play to play to drum machines and track yourself, record yourself and listen back and be honest and and try to get better that way. You have to you got to record, man recording and playing to a metronome and playing to a drum machine and and recording stuff is so so important. And you can go back and you can listen to it and uh, you can go wow i've gotten better you hear you hear yourself improve otherwise you don't really you can't you don't have like a gauge unless you got some old video or something that you go back and watch but it's a chronological uh collection of your talents that's mm-hmm. kind of you know like i said earlier it's in it's immortalized you can go back and listen it's hard to go back but it's really gratifying when you go back like f- something from two years earlier, and you're like, "Wow, that was good." When you can finally say that honestly, and not go, "Ooh, I bend that note. I I might used to bend my notes sharp, <laughs> but when you but when you know when you stop hearing yourself bending notes sharp, you're like, "I got that. That's a good feeling." But you only get that through self analysis, and I th- I truly think recording is the answer to that. I've been recording since I was. 18 on four track cassette. Uh, so, I mean, Say not that air. I'm not, not that I'm like, you know, John for and I can just like do these awesome, <laughs> like killer everything licks, but, um, it teaches you how to teach you how to play, you know, mm-hmm. teaches you what the wrong notes are for the most part mm-hmm. and how to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Or at least, uh, and, and recording is a discipline, it's very disciplined and and uh, you know, you can't hide. You can throw a lot of reverb on it and delay, but then it just sounds like mistakes with delay on them. <laughs> <laughs> the mistakes just repeat. And more. then right, then your mistake goes like it. Then it comes back. did it You're like, I heard it once. <laughs> and then you fool yourself, you think, ah, oh, it wasn't that bad. And uh, and then every time you listen to that recording, you you know it's there. And you can't unhear it, you know. I've gone back and re-recorded stuff like from three years ago. I've gone back and I fixed stuff because I like the song. And I've gone back and uh, (laughs) I had to fix a solo um, and edit it. I just couldn't take it. It Like the song was done. I spent a lot of time, but I had to go in and took me forever to try to get the same tone. But that'll drive you crazy, you know. Once Mm -hmm. it's on tape god forbid you release i've released cds before and albums and you know uh people remember that stuff if it's really good and then if you release something else and it's not as good or your demo they like your demo better than they like your album that you release like they, they were the ones that supported your demo and then you put out your album and they're like man the demo had so much energy <laughs> and you're just like oh man you know what do you do
1: yeah, that's always, that's always a, a weird thing when the demo is always better than the actual tune.
0: Yeah, I heard that Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill was the demo. I heard she did a whole produced album with uh, Glenn, that, Ballard. Glenn Ballard did Glenn it. Ballard. Yeah, and I, I read that. Maybe it was just her scratch vocals, but anyway, Jagged Little Pill is like a demo because <laughs> the, the real thing didn't cut. Now, someone will probably prove me wrong and look it up, but <laughs> but I swear to you, I think... That's it true. could be. Some I of believe- it
1: does sound. That was that record. That's all I actually. That's all I listened to was that album for a, for a time back in 1995,
0: 96. Yeah, anybody, all of us that were, yeah, yeah, Alanis.
1: Record was huge.
0: Yeah, Al- Alanis was like an atomic bomb in the alternative era. Mm-hmm. She was a nuclear bomb, man. She was, uh... God, she's like Jesus. <laughs> i'm not now everyone's gonna burn my records (laughs) i don't mean she was jesus all right everybody i i mean she was like uh people would just like flock to her
1: they didn't they thought she was like the second coming actually no she was no no she she actually played god in a movie oh really do you remember that no no yeah that's the truth I didn't Back- follow
0: her after Uninvited. I think Uninvited's a great song, but after Uninvited, she kind of disappeared. Off that wasn't the live one, was it? Rainer,
1: Uninvited. I- it was Jagged Little Pill. Uh, what was what was the next one?
0: Female Cobain. Yeah, she was Female Cobain.
1: What was it? I I had a few of them, and then Uninvited. That was the last. I I I I had bootlegs of her of her live stuff, and some of those songs she did live before she recorded them. And then I would hear the recorded versions, and it wasn't kind of what we were just saying. Dogma is
0: Keith. Keith was saying, Dogma. Yeah, Dogma. That's the movie. Edwin. She she
1: actually actually plays like God in the movie or something. I never saw it, but I heard about it.
0: I got to check that out. You know, I, I, Alanis was, was, uh, I mean, she's still active. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, she was, uh, she was huge, man. I mean, I'm not telling anybody. Not
1: literally, but.
0: No, right. Yeah, she was kind of string beanie back in the... Uh, she never was thin. She she had some hips on her. She had a nice shape. Now I'm sounding like a sexist. Hey, man. <laughs> I thought Atlantis was pretty. She had a pretty smile. She had that weird thing that she would sing. You ever notice when she sings, she puts her head to the side, she's like, like she's got that. You ever notice that she does that? Arr. It's like she so controls... Charming. She's got that, like, curved her lip underneath. Starts barking. Yeah, I always thought that was interesting. I liked her singing style. I mean, I I thought it was attractive. But yeah, everybody's got to look up Alana singing live now. But she twists her head and she does like this. She curls her lip under her over her teeth. It's like she does that mid-range yodel like <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> she was the first one to really kind of. She had that unique style, you know. She everything was uh, like when she sang uh, "You Ought to Know," she had that little yodel flip thing. Then every all the female singers started doing it. That was her. Uh,
1: I heard that. Yeah.
0: That was was that my cat or yours? That
1: was your cat. <laughs> my cat said something earlier. Yeah,
0: I thought I put him out. Uh, my, not, I have two cats. I have one named Marmot. That's Marmot. He's fuzzy and black. He's like a puff, puffy black cat. <laughs> He's like dad. Damn it, dad! I want to go out. I want to catch some Vince. mice
1: it's what it's like oh yours does that too mine brings them in and keeps them in and we have to like find them we've had two mice in the house the past uh, week
0: mine bring in yeah. skinks you know what a skink is it's a blue lizard i've got oh, like no. i've got landscaping uh timbers around like pieces of my property my driveway and the skinks crawl up underneath there and the cats go down in the in the, the timbers and they skinks get scared and they jump out and then the cat brings a skink inside And then they, they're, they're like this big. They're not, they're not, they won't hurt you, but the tops of them are like dark blue and they're super fast and you can't catch them. And then like two days later, you find a skink tail because the cat ate the skink, but left the tail. I don't know why they won't eat the tail. So, you know, cat ownership, (laughs) mine will leave birds and, and rats or mice outside the door. Like if I go outside in the morning, Yeah, they leave me the prize. Like, Dad, here's your mouse. I'm like, thank you. You Ned,
1: Ned will leave it in the bathroom. Yeah, a lot of times.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mine. I had one once that used to bring him into the bathtub because the mice couldn't get out, and it was like the mice arena of death. Oh no! Yeah, and you'd hear the mouse, and then you try to. I'd always try to save it, and as a kid, but the cat knew I was coming, so it would. It would make short the tub yeah it would it would kill it yeah so <laughs> cats are vicious animals i mean they're just small lions man that's all they are like if they were our size they would kill us
1: it's a they call them lions in the living room
0: yeah i mean cats really hate humans they just deal with us cuz we have to feed them but if they were our size they would kill us i'm convinced we would be their food Cats Probably. only cats only do things to annoy you to get their way. They don't like do things that are fun and happy like dogs will. They have a different. I mean, even cats are nice, but they disobey to get their way, and dogs will uh, <laughs> do anything to make you happy to get their way. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah.
1: animal chat.
0: We've covered the gamut.
1: Yeah. We should do this again sometime, man. I, you know, I c- dude, definitely, definitely. Yeah, look at this. We're at three, three hours. Um, yeah. I mean, come, come back anytime, man. Yeah, I mean, I will, I I'm will just uh, just get
0: everywhere. with me
1: whenever you want to do it. You got it, man. Let me. Uh, yeah, I start to feel bad. The later it gets, the farther away the person is. Because for me, it's still. Well, for me, it's getting late. It's eight night. If it's getting late here, it's got to be late there.
0: <laughs> well, it's it, I'm a night owl anyway, but it's just it's ten nineteen. But yes. uh, yeah, I gotta jump off here in a minute. I gotta uh, I gotta pack my bag. I can taking one bag tomorrow, but other than that, I just gotta cool. prep a little bit. But uh, I'm gonna be getting up early so I can do my thing. Right on. So
1: right on. Well, hey everybody. Check out Marty, his channel. Link. Link is right over there.
0: Yeah, check my channel out. Hope you all like it. Subscribe if you want. I'm not annoying. I won't like drive you crazy and like post weird stuff all the time in your (laughs) face. And if you don't like it, just ignore me. Just keep. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So well, awesome. There it is. thank you so much you're welcome
0: just thought i'd play a little bit before we went out we went out since it is a a van halen show you know we didn't really do any playing tonight but that's all good (laughs) i like to talk
1: i actually play on sunday nights i do all that stuff you just did i do on sundays (laughs) yeah i've actually seen some of that I, i i dig it man i will
0: uh i will tune in next time in uh drop you a like and a comment we'll chat but uh awesome yeah let's do this again bro i appreciate it i thank you for your time thanks for everybody for sorry i I didn't answer really any questions in chat i i I apologize i can't really see it too good from back here kind of do but thanks for your support and uh i enjoyed being here tonight it's been a lot of fun
1: yeah thank you so much man and you guys yeah check out marty's channel leave comments down below and I know it's getting late. Just really quickly, really quickly, thank you so much, channel members. Thank you for all your support. Join us tomorrow night, Saturday Night Live, with your host, John BL. Uh, we've got some uh, cool stuff we'll be talking about. Um, And then Sunday Night String Chain Show on Sunday... And let's see, Nam. We didn't even talk about Nam, but Nam show coming up. So keep it on the channel right here. I'll be live from Nam next Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Maybe some really cool stuff Monday as well. So we'll see you guys. Thank you so much. Have a
0: happy um, and safe Memorial Day weekend and eat lots of barbecue chicken and mm. and uh, good food and
1: sounds good right now
0: spend time with family right
1: (laughs) yes yes all right rock on everybody smash that thumbs up subscribe bye everybody thanks for your support bye-bye johnny bean tv I'll see you guys on Twitch in a little bit. You guys got to jump over to Twitch. We have a great time over there as well. All right. Good night, everybody.